Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. So much to talk about this week from TakeOver Phoenix to the kickoff show to the Royal Rumble to the first matches of WrestleMania being announced to the next live event that this podcast has coming up to the live event that we did in Phoenix. Listen in. It's all happening this week on Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here he is. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. A lot to cover this week, a lot to get into. Why waste any time? I mean, so much, just in the state of wrestling. WrestleMania season is coming in like a lion. You know, they talk about the polar vortex that is striking the Midwest and the Northeast right now. Well, the polar... Oh, geez, that was abrupt. The polar vortex has nothing on the strength that WrestleMania season is being ushered in with. I mean, it is unbelievable. Starting with TakeOver, into the Royal Rumble, everything that came off of the Royal Rumble, Raw, SmackDown, we're going to talk about it all this week on Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, you know, there was uh, news coming out of the uh, TakeOver kickoff show. Sam Roberts was the number two worldwide trending topic, I suppose, this week uh, on Saturday night. Uh, We'll get into that in the bridge segment. After the interview segment, we'll get into all that. I can promise you we won't... uh, Avoid it completely, let's just say. Um, A lot to get into this week, um, and we'll get into all of it. You know, I am going to be responding to the Major Brothers live at Caroline's on Broadway, and I'll give you all the ticket information in just a few minutes here on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, But first, and even before we get into the interview, let's talk about a concept that's coming back. You know, last week we were talking about uh, WWE, WWF superstars from 1992 being added to the network and how cool it was. Um, And I was talking about the other shows. Like, that's what I really love about the network. Of course, when you first got the network, it was all about having all the old episodes of Raw and Nitro. You know, I remember when they first released that box set. I think it was around the time of Raw 1000, I want to say, when they released a box set with, like, the top 25 episodes of Raw on DVD. And they were complete. And the box set was super limited. I remember I like I had to search all over to get my hands on it. But I was so excited because it was a DVD set of full episodes of Raw from, you know, the first span, the top 25 of the first 1000 episodes. And it's just as an old tape trader to get DVD quality copies, master copies of full episodes of Monday Night Raw. They're just not out there. You know, WWE doesn't release them. It's one of those things where, uh, like, I would I would always get the Blu-rays of the pay-per-views because for a period of time, they used to package the Blu-rays with a bonus disc, and the bonus disc would have episodes of Raw and SmackDown on it. Or they did, like, uh, a couple of 
box sets that were exclusive to stores. And those DVD box sets had like the Eddie Guerrero Raw tribute and the Eddie Guerrero SmackDown tribute episodes. And it was the full episode on a DVD. And it's like just to have, I mean, those are classic episodes of television, of course, and important episodes. But just to have full episodes of Raw was amazing. And I remember like trying to rack my brain of how can it be economically feasible to put out a DVD box set of all the episodes of Raw? Maybe you do it year by year, maybe. And you go, no, because even in the 90s, you're talking about two-hour shows. It takes a full disc to just have one episode of Raw. You're talking about, you know, to get 1998, 1999, 2000, and beyond. You, you know, starting from 93, 52 disc box sets for 25 years of shows. I, I, I think I'm doing the math right when I say that's... 2.3 million discs. There's no way they could put that many discs out. And I'm going, ah. Oh. And that's when the WWE Network came out and it was like, oh my God. They're, they have every episode of Raw here. And it's better than DVD quality. This is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. But now that we've got every episode of Raw and Nitro, it's time to get spoiled. Let's get all our other TV shows. So that's why I was so excited last week about Superstars from 92. But one of the shows... Um, Similar to Superstars 92, the obscure shows that you would just never be able to have the library of before the WWE Network is shows uh, like uh, Thursday Thunder for WCW and, of course, WWE Sunday Night Heat. And when they, they first released the Sunday Night Heat library, I was so excited to just scan through and watch some of the episodes. But one of the episodes that I really wanted was Halftime Heat. And that went down on a Sunday night. That was the empty arena match between The Rock and Mankind. WWE decided uh, that on Super Bowl Sunday, they would compete with the Super Bowl. Now, SmackDown would be on at the same time. I mean, I mean, Sunday Night Heat would be on at the same time as the Super Bowl. But what they did was they programmed the show and they got cooperation from the USA Network so that as soon as the Super Bowl went to halftime, they could go to an empty arena match between The Rock and Mankind. So the people who didn't want to watch the Super Bowl halftime show could tune over to the USA Network and watch The Rock versus Mankind in that empty arena match, which is a classic. And I was super excited about that, not just because it's The Rock versus Mankind and it's a, a title match and blah, 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 but because it was just such a fun concept. And it is so cool to see that concept coming back. I think this is what the WWE Network, one of the things that the WWE Network is built for is creating live content like this. You know, I think about it in terms of my YouTube channel. You know, Sam Roberts Now is a show that I do on my YouTube channel. It's not a wrestling show. It's a general interest show. But I go, you know, I, I, I can go live on YouTube whenever I want. So, like, I'll be doing a Super Bowl halftime show. It won't be a wrestling show. But I'll be doing a Super Bowl halftime show because I did last year. I do a New Year's Eve show. If I'm home, I'll do a... Uh, an Oscars red carpet show, you know, it, whatever is on, I can do a show because I've got a studio and I've got the ability to go live and WWE is going, hey, we've got the same thing. We've got our own network. We've got the performance center where I'm, uh, I, I, I've read that the show will be coming from and we've got the talent. It's, it's Gargano, Ciampa and Adam Cole, which is big because it's the first time Gargano and Ciampa are on the same team, uh, you know, in recent memory, since the breakup and everything, uh, taking on Ricochet, Alistair Black, and Velveteen Dream. Top good guys versus top bad guys. I love it, and I'm so excited about the return. 
I'm gonna well, I'm gonna be doing my YouTube show. I think I'll have the Super Bowl halftime show on mute on a TV. I'll have the WWE Network on mute on my iPad, and I'll be looking at the camera. I'll just be inundated with media. But I think it's so much fun, uh, and I'm so glad that halftime heat is coming back. So I'm all about the events. I'm all about the specialties, and I got the opportunity. And you know, you guys heard me promoting it here on the podcast pretty heavily. I got the opportunity uh, in Phoenix, a comedy club called CB Live, which is in Phoenix, Arizona, a great, great place, great atmosphere, great food, the whole deal. They invited me out and said, hey, you know, WWE's coming to town. We would love to get a Not Sam Wrestling live show while you're here. And I said, great, let's put something together. And uh, so I hit up Corey Graves and said, man, you know, I like doing radio with you. I like having you on the live shows. Um, we have a good time. Why don't you come and be my co-host? He said, I would love to. I was, I was very, very grateful for that. So uh, over the weekend, Corey Graves and I teamed up and we put on a live show in Phoenix, Arizona. And, this, and we invited a bunch of our friends. And this week, that's the show I'd like to present you. You know, it's in, it's in an edited form because we've only got so much time on the podcast. And quite frankly, if you want all the juice, you got to come to these events. But I wanted to firstly give you guys a taste of what we do when we do these live shows. But secondly, it was just a great show. It was such an entertaining, fun night that, you know, I looked around and it was something that I wanted to share with all of you, with all the people who listen to Not Same Wrestling. I wanted everybody to at least get a taste uh, of how much fun this was because as much as I enjoyed it, I figured you all would too. Uh, now, we do have some uh, posters, some signed posters that were event exclusive left over. Those posters, the first batch, and of course, they're, whatever I had printed, that's what will uh, be available. And after that, they're Gonski. But... Uh, I'm going to be sending them for free. If you're a member of the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon page, if you're a Hall of Famer, Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, that's top tier, uh, you will get a free signed poster. So anybody who's a Not Sam Shill at the Hall of Fame level, uh, which means that after a few months, you're going to get an exclusive Chalkline Not Sam jacket. It means that you have free access to all the events that, that we do uh, as far as live shows go. And there's a promise on that Patreon page that says you're also going to get uh, exclusive merchandise and opportunities like that. And one of those opportunities is you're going to get a poster for free. Now, to everybody else who's on Patreon in the different tiers, you're going to have the ability to buy the posters before anybody else. So uh, probably over the weekend is when I'll get everything together and post those over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling for the Not Sam Shills uh, because you guys have been so loyal and so great. You know, I've been uh, the whole weekend, the Discord room full of you Not Sam Shills was active and lively and it hasn't stopped whatsoever. So in an effort to say thank you, I want to give the Hall of Famers some free posters and uh, all the other tiers the opportunity to buy the posters before anybody else gets to do it. It's all about creating value over there at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. So if you want to be a part of it, be a part of it. Now, speaking of that, this uh, live show that we're listening to today on the podcast, we did video too, as always. That video is going to be available first on Patreon and then within a couple weeks over at youtube.com slash notsam. But... For everybody who's got a set of ears, 
we can listen to it right now because it's this week's interview. It's yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. My co-host, Corey Graves. We invited along Renee Young. We invited along fabulous comedian Tony Hinchcliffe. And we invited along the amazing Pat McAfee. Here it is, live from CB Live in Phoenix, Arizona, this week on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. I think we're all here for to, to celebrate our love of this thing, to celebrate Royal Rumble weekend, and to do it properly. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the ways we can do it properly is if I introduce my co-host for the evening. This is a guy who never has a negative thing said about him on Twitter. (laughs) He is the voice of Monday Night Raw, the voice of SmackDown Live, the voice of every WWE pay-per-view. He is, uh, whether he knows it or not, my, uh, he's become my spiritual guru because of his Instagram stories. I don't know how many of you are keeping up with his uh, Buddhist quotes that have been popping up, but I love it. He's the savior of misbehavior, and he's the love master. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Graves. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Put your prayer hands together for Corey Graves. There they right, are. I appreciate all the prayer hands, but Sam, let's be honest, you already screwed up my intro. I'm not the love master. No. I am the world champion of love. Thank you very much. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. I can't believe I, uh, yeah. I screwed that up. We well, just went over it like five minutes ago. Back I know. Then. I know. It was a new nickname, and now, now I feel silly. Wow. But. I'm glad that you're here, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. I'm in a great mood. I am, I am not necessarily officially a Zen Buddhist now, but Sam christened me that earlier today, so we'll just roll with it. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. Do you guys follow Graves' Instagram stories? Have you been watching? It's not that, like, that exciting. I think it is. It's not that good. All of a sudden, it's like uh, live and let go and, and just accept what you accept and, and reject what you don't Anybody in here and... been divorced before? <laughs> just, there we go, my man. <laughs> That's where we're at. Another Buddhist, I see. (laughs) You know, I was actually, I was thinking of you. Because, you know, you do the prayer hands in the photos. I thought it was because I was incredibly handsome. No, but yeah, I mean, that's that's normally. But I don't have any follow-up to that. I just, you're a handsome guy. That's all I got. But you you do the prayer hands in photos. And I don't know if you know this. I never was irritated by it, but some people are. Mark Henry told me. The next, he saw you do the prayer hands, and he saw the uh, the posters that we had designed for this show. And he saw the animated version of you with prayer hands. Right. And he said, the next time I see Corey Graves, I'm going to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> he, he does not like your prayer hands. I have a hard time believing Mark Henry can kick above his waist. <laughs> <laughs> Send that, Dave LaGreca. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Big it's... Show always gives me crap for that. For the prayer hands? Yeah, he says, I guess, I've never seen a Lego movie, but I guess, apparently there's a bit in a Lego movie where Batman says, humble hands, humble hands, or something. Mm-hmm. So every time I see Big Show, 
he goes, oh, humble hands, humble hands. And it's like, you're a giant. It's just weird. It's not funny. It's yeah. just uncomfortable. I just I love, understand it. I love the idea of the big show just sitting at home giggling to himself as he watches no, he, the Lego apparently movie. It, <laughs> apparently, much like Mark Henry, me doing this offends <laughs> everyone in Big Show's house. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know. Well, it's an old school thing. You know, we don't do prayer hands and we watch the Lego movie. That's what the legends. I have three the, children. I've never seen a Lego movie. I no, don't know. That's uh, an accomplishment. Maybe I suck at being a dad. I don't know. <laughs> Well, wait, you're not the world champion, Dad. You're the world champion. I'm the world champion of love. Of love. And that's very, very important. Uh, are you excited for the weekend? Of course, uh, you know, pay-per-view weekends are no small feat for you. You do Raw. You do SmackDown. 431 hours that's of right. live commentary this week. That's, that's right. That's right. And then you'll follow it up with uh, voiceovers for 2K19. That's just right. To, that's just right. to round it out. I've actually stopped consuming liquid until next Thursday. <laughs> yeah, do any of you play like the, the 2K games? Yeah, I do too. But I, I, I really always just took the commentary for granted until I started talking to Graves about like I'd be sitting there and I, I will have seen him like three days ago at a pay-per-view or something and my life will have completely moved on and he's like, no, I'm in Orlando still doing commentary now for the video game. Well, let's give it up for the 2K crew who realize if you want to keep Corey Graves happy, just have good beer in the cooler <laughs> all day. So if I'm slurring my words in the 2K game, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, but yeah, but no, but to your point, it's Royal Rumble weekend, right. which is historically always since I, I mean, I've been a fan my entire life. Uh, this is the coolest pay-per-view of the year, I think. I think so. And... And you know, for, you, for fans, I mean, the, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those of us that know, like, this is the, the kickoff to the beginning of the important part of the year. Right, right. People that don't even like wrestling watch WrestleMania. Right, right. right. It's, and it's people super, that, It's the Super Bowl. The this pe is, people that don't even like wrestling can get into the Royal Rumble match. Right, I don't even like wrestling. <laughs> well, at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm still excited. Um, How, do you sit there and uh, do you know anything about the, the Royal Rumble matches themselves? Do you like to be surprised? Well, Do you kind of know? So according to the internet, which I read sparingly, I have, I have a script in front of me at all times, which right. is news to me. And <laughs> I've seen I you really, reading off it, Grace. Yeah, I would love it. to have a script because it would make my job and my life way easier. Um, we have these things called uh, run sheets, which any television show has, so you know what's actually happening on the show. <laughs> As far as the commentary goes, I wish I didn't have to think for myself. Uh, but beyond that, I actually am one that I hate to know what's going to happen before it happens. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm a wrestling fan. I right. have been for 30, however many years I've been on the earth. Um, <laughs> I don't want to reveal that. Yeah. 30 uh, too many. Yeah, I'm way too old. Um, yeah, I, I get to react to things. And generally speaking, my reaction is real. Like, I'll, I'll give, for example, like the Hardys came back in Orlando a couple of years ago. I had no earthly idea. I had, I swear on my children, I had no clue that was happening, and I heard the first few beats of, of their song, and whatever I said, which I wasn't even particularly cool, but right. it was real. It was just like, oh my God, the Hardys are back. This is nuts. And to, to be a wrestling fan, to be there for that, I, I feel like, in a way, that's my job, is to connect. I, I kind of get to be the... the the in-between between the fans and what we're what we have to do obviously we have business we've got to do but ultimately i'm still a fan and i that's i think that's one of those things that all of us e even i mean you talk to to roman or seth or, or dean or any of the guys that are like on top they they're on top because they haven't forgotten what it means to be a fan 
And as much as, as the business has changed and it's crazy and we get frustrated and tired and, and it's different than it was when we were all kids, we're fans. Like, we all love the same thing. Even if you want to pick it apart or, like, you love pro wrestling, whether, whether you might like this this guy or this company or this group or what. It's pro. It's the same business, man. Like, it's, it's you like movies. You like TV shows. We're, we're fans, you know what I mean? So to be able to, to keep that is very important to me. I try to, you yeah. know, and, then, and the fact that I have a, general disdain for mankind which kind of <laughs> blends nicely with all that so that's a long-winded way of saying you don't know if kenny omega is coming or not I... <laughs> <laughs> if, if he was coming i think i would know by now but uh hey you know what if he shows up i uh, i have to think of something cool to say i guess well yeah so is is the art not cursing even in those real moments because i feel like like i know that when i saw the hardy boys i didn't know the hardy boys were coming out either and one of the guys, like I was actually like leaving the f seating area, and one of the guys who works for WWE didn't tip me off, but he goes, "Sam, you might want to sit in the audience for a second. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, he knew whatever." More than I did. Right. And that, and that's what he wanted me to be a part of this reaction. And I'm sure the first words that came out of my mouth were profane, yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Like, oh, what well, the? So as I learned at Caroline's in Broadway, <laughs> you heavily edit everything that I say. So, real realistically speaking. Matt's first words when I heard the Hardy Boys music were, holy <laughs> But right. that doesn't necessarily work in a PG environment, right. so, you know. Do me a favor and time code that hot dog. Yeah, hot dog. Um, <laughs> you're gonna, this one's going to be way easier. I actually know that I'm here this time. <laughs> Matt McPhee, I'm still waiting on you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, it'll happen. Um, well, I think, you know, your reactions are certainly uh, something that people have been tuning in for. Uh, in fact... When we talk about the Royal Rumble, some people, it, this, is, this is a debate that, that rages. When we talk about the Royal Rumble, does that include the greatest Royal Rumble? It's, uh, according, according to a 73-year-old uh, billionaire that I work with, statistically speaking, uh, yes, the greatest Royal Rumble is included as far as all Royal Rumble history goes. So... What, what's the? I mean, yeah, I heard is, there's some, it, some people oh, are really unhappy. Why is it? Is it just because you're traditionalist? You just want like there's one Royal Rumble and that's it. So so in your guys' just, mind, just wait till the Super Survivor Series next year. <laughs> WrestleMania Plus. <laughs> yeah, so that means there's only one Royal Rumble winner who's ever gotten a big green championship. That's right. Right. I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the reason I brought up the greatest Royal Rumble is because. This is the I single don't... greatest moment in Royal Rumble history. <laughs> I know where we're going with this, Sam. I feel it. I don't think this was scripted. I don't think this was in your script or your rundown or whatever it was that you were reading. Um, of course, the greatest Royal Rumble, it was the greatest because 40, 40 men, right? It was 40, right? Was it, was it, was it 40 or 50? I don't know. I, was it 50? My yeah. goodness, 50. I was there. I don't know. I called, like, I don't know. Well, because for some reason you, you lost track at number 39. And I don't know if you remember who number 39 was. I'm sure you have no idea where I'm going with this. But is this something we'd all like to relive? As... Yeah. Number 39 into the rumble. 39 men. And the leader of Titus, plural, wide, Titus O'Neil. 
Titus had a very busy week here in Saudi Arabia. He's had dinner with many princes and very important people, and he oh. just... What? Oh my God! What the heck? What did Titus just? I can't believe what I just saw. Did that really happen? Oh my God! Oh my God! Did that happen? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Oh my God! Here's the replay. Titus O'Neil trying to get into the ring, and Titus O'Neil tripped and went head first through the apron underneath the ring, and Titus is ticked off now. I just might want to check the size. No, of this boots. this reminds me. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you want to talk about unscripted, just real life. That was as hard as I've ever laughed on television or maybe in life. <laughs> the thing that people don't realize is we realized after the fact how close Titus was to dying. Because about a half a centimeter above his head is a steel eye beam that goes the entire way across the ring. And had he hit that, it would have been like the saddest day in history. Instead... It lives up as, as one of my favorite moments in wrestling history. And this is when you know that, like, funny is just funny because Titus is, like, one of the most wonderful, beloved people in the entire company. Like, he's just, there's no better dude but to watch any man, or woman for that matter, fall down the way he fell down in the moment that he fell down. It wasn't just that he fell down, it was that he disappeared. <laughs> he completely... <laughs> just was gone from from view. It was it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I to this day, I, I all my friends know that there are two things in the world. No matter how pissed off I am, will make me laugh. Uh -huh. It's that. Yeah. And the scene in uh, National Lampoon's Vacation when Chevy Chase is hitting himself in the face with a sandwich. <laughs> when he sees Christy Brinkley. I think I told you. I think we talked about this on your show. The one, yeah. The, 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 I don't care. Like my my best friend could have just died. If I see one of those two things, I'm like, all right, it's not that bad. It's okay. That's, that's like the, the, the second before he realizes it's a urine-soaked right. sandwich. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think that, but it, it restored my faith in, in you, actually, because I watched that clip many, you many times. You lost faith in me, Sam? Uh, well, maybe for a period of time. But uh, you actually don't laugh. If you really analyze the clip, you don't laugh until his feet move. <laughs> Meaning... That if he had been horrifically injured or killed, you wouldn't have laughed. No. However, once he I starts... I love Titus. Right. <laughs> he's, he's a hell of a human being. But once you realize Titus is okay, yeah. you go, this may be the single greatest moment of my life. <laughs> he was just humiliated. And the thing also about that clip that you told me, Graves, was that... And I didn't even realize this until I rewatched it after you told me. When Titus got back in the ring after that, furious. He beat the out of everyone. <laughs> he was, he, you know how like you get like embarrassed and you're like, oh no, I gotta straighten myself and dust myself off. He just went, oh, I'm fighting everyone right now. <laughs> if you're within, and he's got arms like, like he's got a, a wingspan like a pterodactyl. He can hit you, I can hit you from here if you're Titus O'Neil. Batman, you're in trouble. He's got the longest arms in the world and he was pissed. He was embarrassed and he was trying to hurt everyone, which, uh, you know. Well, uh, uh, Corey Graves, you're not the only one who's going to be calling a Royal Rumble match. I am not. On Sunday night. And I'm, I'm going to take a, just a second to, to say that uh, when Sam and I decided we were going to take this venture, yeah. it was very wing it, kind of like we do everything in life. That's right. Um, so this week, we, I went, hey, Sam, <laughs> who, uh, who you got lined up? And he went, I don't know. Yeah. 
I, went, I cool. couldn't give him the line. Usually I'm giving like, oh, well, I got uh, Corey Graves is going to be my co-host. Uh, and he said, and no, no one Sam, came to see me. I got that. Sam, I, he said, I am Corey Graves. Yeah. <laughs> we need. But we, I wasn't the world champion of love that day. No, not yet. That was a, that was a new development. That was today. Not yet. But we did uh, travel deep into our Rolodex, didn't we? Uh, I actually just went to the top three text messages <laughs> in my phone. <laughs> and I went, hmm, who can I call that people would be intrigued by that have a far more interesting worldview than we do? That's right. So, can I do an intro? Is of hot course. dog ready? Hot dog. Hot, hot dog's ready. Hot you are the co-host. You, you should I am be the co-host. I'm going to do the intro because this is my co-hosting duty. Yeah. For all of your viewing slash listening pleasure, she is one-third of the Monday Night Raw commentary team and one of my best friends, Ms. Renee Young. There she is. Renee Young, Hi. or is that uh Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. By the way, Renee, uh, cosplaying as early '80s Debbie Harry. I'm always cosplaying Debbie Harry in one way or the other. So this is I, I just got a, a real strong version. Giada vibe. Shut your mouth. <laughs> you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> well, welcome, Renee. Thank you. I mean, what an exciting time to be you. I feel like this whole the what last several months alive. has been a whirlwind. It has been, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's cool. I mean, I'm kind of rolling with it every day, every week, um, getting more experience under my belt with Monday Night Raw, getting to call my very first Royal Rumble. It's, yeah, it's cool, man. You had, I mean, you had commentary experience from uh, earlier in your career. Brief. Brief. Sure. Then you do the Mae Young Classic, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, in very short order, you're, the, the place where you're kind of learning is the marquee television show, and oh, by the way, we're getting you on pay-per-view too, and it's time to just no pressure hit the ground running, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I, I sort of feel like I brought it upon myself a little bit, because I know a lot of uh, people online were kind of messaging me, hey, you should try commentary again, cool, cool, and like for a long time, you know, just doing like backstage interviews, like you run through it, it's not changing, nothing else is really happening, so I kept wanting to do more, I've always wanted to have more on my plate, so when this opportunity kind of came up to do commentary and people kind of poking me to see if I would do it, I sort of put it like into the universe when I started like tweeting about it, I'm like, yeah, you know what, maybe I would want to try to do that again. Um, and then all of a sudden, Michael Cole's like, hey, you're filling in next week. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't really know that something like that was going to actually come to fruition. I didn't think that that opportunity was actually going to be on the, on the table for me, let alone to be doing Monday Night Raw. Like, yeah, my head was spinning. It still sort of is. Right. Do you feel, does it feel like the gig yet? Like, because at first it's going to feel like this is the thing I'm learning how to do. And then eventually it just becomes this is the thing that I do. It kind of goes through waves. Like, I feel like when I first started doing it, I was like, man, I really feel like things are syncing up for me where I want them to be. It's like I've been working for WWE for like six years at this point. I'm far more comfortable talking about the product uh, in the WWE way, where when I first started doing commentary, I had not a clue. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, so I was really just kind of winging it, but then having years of doing all the panels and understanding what my role was with that, having uh, you know the fans get used to me in that role as well, um, so yeah, when I first started, I was like, man, I really feel like this is coming together and this is a spot that I'm supposed to be. And then you have like a, an off night and you're like, oh, f <laughs> maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. So yeah, it's like 
There's nights that I feel like it is a thing I'm supposed to be doing or it's like a step in the right direction for what I want to be doing, but um, it's just such a big hill to climb and there's so much to it. And then you sit next to this so good at it. Are you he's, talking about the world champion of love? <laughs> something like that. Oh. But I mean, he's so good at it and it comes so naturally to him and I'm sort of just finding my footing and trying to figure out what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Um, and yeah, obviously under the microscope massively with that. Takes you, the heat off me, which makes my life much better. <laughs> I will attest in a public forum that Renee Young at least has more passion for what we do than anybody that I've worked with, not named Michael Cole, I mean, because mm-hmm. he's been here for a million years, so. Thank you. Yeah, I don't say much nice to her personally. It's usually a, a friendship <laughs> He only does on... it more in front of people publicly. That's right, that's right. It's uh, twisted. It's a litany of insults and... <laughs> How do you, how do, I guess this is for both of you, because I think it's kind of amazing, and, and for us fans, to maintain enthusiasm for WWE and for Raw and SmackDown and the product, like, it's easy for us, because it's our escape, it's what we do, it's what we love, it's, it's, but it's not, not our job, right? I don't think any of us have the same enthusiasm for our, jo- well, I mean, my, my job's to be on a morning show, so that I'm a bad example, but the rest of the people. <laughs> when I was working at Sam Goody's, I didn't have the enthusiasm for that that I did for wrestling. You know, how do you guys maintain that enthusiasm on a week-to-week basis? I just get really excited for my friends. I see. You know, like, it's like watching people that you know, that you see putting in all this hard work and understanding, like, where they come from and certain people getting opportunities that, like, somebody like Mustafa Ali, like, when he started doing, like, I'm so stoked for that dude. I'm so happy for the stuff that's coming his way. And I really feel like this will be his year. But it's like when you see these people that are your friends and success comes their way, it's easy to keep you motivated and kind of keep you on task with that. What if you don't have any friends, Corey? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a great liar. (laughs) I should have been an attorney. It probably would have paid better. Uh, I can just turn it on. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God, this son, the guy in the lobster shorts is going to fight NWO Incredible Hulk right here. He's bursting through his jacket. Ladies and gentlemen, someone get that man a, a coat. It's, was you know, I mean, how great was that? It wasn't that good. I'm, I'm more impressed that you could see that those were lobsters. I, I've been staring at his lobster shorts yeah. the entire time. I'm yeah. sorry. It's quite distracting. He's also wearing a little Lebowski shirt, which is the, oh. uh, you know, one of the, uh, okay. maybe the greatest movie of all time. Better than uh, Chevy Chase smacking himself with a piss sandwich? Yeah, yeah wow. consistently. That one scene gets me. The rest of it doesn't really do it for I me. I see. I see. Lebowski as a whole is a real experience. Have you thought, Renee, about how you're going to handle uh, doing the play-by or the commentary for this Royal Rumble match? Well, I'm doing the women's Royal Rumble match. Right. Um, so, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I there just know which one. the women's, it's a hard no. Um, no, I've not done a Royal Rumble match, but I feel like the cool thing is, no matter what, every 90 seconds-ish, something else new is going to happen, so I'll just kind of go with that news story of whatever comes out. Whoa, look who yeah, it is! Holy <laughs> sh- Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm going to be counting down with everybody else, so I don't know. I'm just kind of going into it to have fun. Uh, I feel like that's sort of my mindset right now with sticking with the throw stuff against the wall and see what works and try not to be so serious and have my shit together because I don't think it works for me. Like maybe actually have fun? Yes, yeah. please. Oh, my God. Forbidden. <laughs> I have no pink fun. hair now. It means I have to, right? I want someone's prediction, uh, and I want this to be as outlandish as possible, not like, oh, I think the guy that we all know is going to win is going to win. 
Uh, best case scenario, sir, you in the Colorado Rockies shirt. Who wins the Royal Rumble and why? We'll get back to that debauchery momentarily. But, folks, I know you all want to be a part of these live shows. And when I do the live shows, generally, there's a lot going on in these towns. If you were in Phoenix, Arizona this weekend, you had no choice. You should have gone to NXT TakeOver, to WWE Royal Rumble, to Raw, to SmackDown. But buying tickets online can be so complicated. You might just say, oh, screw it. As much as I want to go, it's too much. I don't get it. Well, guess what? You don't have to get it anymore. You don't have to worry about the fact that there's hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. SeatGeek is the way to go. See, SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for the price that you're willing to pay. They're all fully guaranteed, every purchase, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. If any of you have ever been turned away from an event because those tickets were not legit, it'll never happen again. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source. They've got everything, sports, concerts, comedy, theater, wrestling, whatever you want to do. I've got the app on my phone. It is so easy to use. I wouldn't talk about it as much as I talk about it if I hadn't used it myself. All you do is you put in your location and or the event that you're looking for. SeatGeek will let you know everything that's going on in your town or whatever town you're going to. The seating charts will come up for every event. You'll be able to pick exactly where you want to sit. You'll be able to see, see the value of each ticket available because they're all ranked red, yellow, green, whatever you want. SeatGeek has got your back. You're never going to have to worry about, oh, am I going to find a better deal over here? Oh, are these tickets actually going to come? Oh, never. SeatGeek has got it done for you. Tickets to anything at the best value possible. Best of all, my listeners, you guys, get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, $10 in your pocket just for listening to Not Sam Wrestling. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, Life's an event. We have the tickets. Now let's get back to one of the events that you could have gotten tickets for. Yes, stand stand up, sir. What's your name there? Josh, what's up, guys? Josh, who do you... Keep standing. Let the people see that beautiful face, Josh. Look at you. Book it right now. The Kingslayer, Seth Rollins, is going to win this Royal Rumble and replicate the uh, WrestleMania at Levi Stadium and come out the champion at WrestleMania. I ain't mad at it. Well, you're I'm not, not mad at no, it at no, all. No, no, no. Here's the issue, though, Graves. You said not to do the predictable. Well, no, I'm. Well, it, it, it didn't say lie to me, Sam. Yeah. For God's sake, okay. I'm totally cool with that because I was at Levi Stadium. I think you were, were you there. I was there. Yeah. I was just. I was just a, a, a mere fan in the crowd. Yeah, you, I, I you remember. You weren't working like, for us then. I was not sitting at the. This top is like of... that movie Rockstar. I grew up <laughs> with a picture of these guys on my wall, and now I'm one of them. To be fair, this is actually one of my favorite stories, and then I'll, I'll keep it short, short-winded. short uh, Levi Stadium was one of my first WrestleManias. She and I spent the entire day atop the stadium at this really cool day. We did WrestleMania like every hour on the hour on the network, and and oh, I yeah. wasn't doing commentary yet. Yeah. And I was sitting up there with Byron Saxton, ironically enough, um, <laughs> and, and we just we were watching the show. We were sitting there, and we were kind of look, looking over live, and we were watching the video screens, and I kept my ear monitors in so I could hear the audio and the commentary for the day. And back to me not wanting to know anything because I get to a legitimate reaction. 
I'm watching the main event. I'm watching Roman and Brock beat the living out of each other and having a great time. And my ear monitors didn't match the live audio. So I hear like 20,000 drums happening at once. And I don't know what's going on. I don't recognize the music. I don't know what it is. And I look up and Seth is running down with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Ooh. Now, I, yeah, I mean, I think we've... Oh, my man. Yeah. Couple of diet soft drinks. That's right. Yes. Uh, but no, <laughs> Seth Rollins, I mean, it's not really a secret. He's one of my best friends in the business. And to see him, and I texted him because he wrestled Randy Orton earlier in the night. And I sent, I sent him a text and I was like, man, awesome match with Randy. Super cool. And he responded, you ain't seen nothing yet. I don't even read into it. I don't think anything of it. And then I am watching one of my closest friends at the main event of WrestleMania run down, win the title. That was, to this, I'm getting goosebumps telling the story. That was genuinely one of the most exciting things I've experienced. And I didn't get to call it. I wasn't even on commentary yet. But so that's why I love I, I, still being a fan and, and getting to be surprised. I mean, it, it's fun. It's magical. Yeah, it gets, like when uh, Dean won. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this to me here. <laughs> um, when he when he cashed in his money in the bank and won the, uh, the WWE championship, and he never tells me anything. But yeah, I heard some people backstage being like, "Oh, make sure that you watch tonight's main event." I was like, "Okay, what?" Like I, and thank God I did actually get to a monitor and I got to see John cash in uh, his money in the bank contracts. Otherwise, I would not have seen that. But to get those magical moments is like it blows your mind. I was in Las Vegas airport that night because Seth came back, mm -hmm. and Booker and I were traveling together. We left. We were at the airport. I was in security. I fell in love with Misha Tate. <laughs> Greg falls moment. in love a lot. We, I, I'm the world He's champion. He's the world champion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I fell in love with Misha Tate, and we got on the tram, and I was looking at my phone, and it said, Dean Ambrose wins WWE Championship. And I went, what the f I know. <laughs> yeah, it blew my yeah. mind. We, and we got to, like, drive home that night, too. We just, like, went to our own house. We're like, oh, that was weird. And ah. we, went and, we went and drank Tall Boys behind a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> Were you Such wearing those lady. boots, Renee? You mind your business. I'm curious as far as other people's predictions as to what's going on in the uh, Royal Rumble. Sam, do you have anybody else waiting well, around? What that about for the women's? What about the prognostication? I do. I mean, I think that the... I know where I'm getting that. I think, I think this next person might have a great opinion on the women's Royal Rumble. Okay. More qualified than any of us. Okay. On the women, you think so? No, I'm oh, trying, okay. to, just, yeah. I'm just trying to segue, Sam. We're on a time limit here. Yeah, no, that's I, what I do. I think that we uh, we we need the perspective of another fan. Yeah, and somebody who's strong enough that he could try to sell the world's biggest podcaster on the art of pro wrestling. He's got to have some broad shoulders. For yeah. That. Those broad stro uh, shoulders, strollers also. He's, he's you know he's expecting. That's, what, that's what we like to call a Freudian slip, Sam. <laughs> Those broad uh, shoulders. This is a really great buildup, you guys. Belong to uh, only one man, one of the biggest wrestling fans you'll ever find, one of the funniest men you'll ever find, a man uh, who will be here later on tonight doing his own show. But right now he's on our show, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Hinchcliffe. There he is. Hello, everybody. Tony. 
Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony Hinchcliffe is, is, I mean, he's amazing because he, this is the man who is convincing. You know how in the beginning of the show we talked about having non-wrestling fans in our lives that we have to show them things to convince them that wrestling is cool? Tony Hinchcliffe is doing this with Joe Rogan. You know, we're trying to break on through to the other side. You know, <laughs> he's convinced that uh, that that it's not interesting because it's not really real. And uh, I tell him, "You, dude, <laughs> you don't get it, bro." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like he's coming around on it. You had you've had DDP and Jake Roberts on. Oh, it's totally happening. Oh, it's happening. We've, we've, see, what ended up happening is so many of the WWE things ended up happening organically in the UFC. You know, five years ago when I was telling him that he would lo- love it, I'm like, you know, they have finishing moves and it's exciting and you're looking to them for them to set it up. And that was like right when Ronda in UFC was starting to really armbar people and remain, you know, undefeated and unstoppable. And you have Nate Diaz slapping people and Conor McGregor was nowhere to be found yet. I mean, he's just basically like if, uh, oh my God, how do I blank out on the uh, Irish guy? He's like an Irish guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gerard Butler? Yeah. No, the redheaded uh, Irish wrestler. Seamus? Yes, Seamus. No, I I went Finn Balor. I don't know. Oh, yeah, him too. Becky. But anyway, you know, Connor, you know, all those things happen, so... I'm yeah. excited about it. I think there's a big crossover happening, and I think it's organic. And any time he tells me that uh, that wrestling sucks, I'm like, shut up, dude. Brock will beat any of your guys. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And he can't he can't answer to that because it's true. You're also an MMA fanatic. How do you how do you feel about the year now? Because it'll be a year for Ronda since her first yeah. appearance oh, at yeah. the last yeah. Royal Rumble. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the year that Ronda's had? I love it. I was there when she made her debut a year ago, uh, Sunday. And uh, me and my buddies, we always go to every Royal Rumble because it's the coolest. And no matter what, thank city you. It's right? In. I yeah. said that before. As a wrestling fan, that's yeah. the best pay per view of the year. Right? Yeah, hands down. I tell everybody, it's like New Year's Eve times thirty. You get to count down, and fucking, <laughs> it's just so much fun. And, and then you get to do it twice now because of the Women's Royal Rumble. You're yeah. like, we get to do it all over again. It's New Year's. And the Women's Rumble last year was amazing. They have a t- if anybody has a tough act to follow, it's them because they started off stealing the show. So that's going to be fun to watch. But, uh, yeah. Are there any uh, 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 potential worrisome winners? Like, is there any sort of risk of that moment that's so bad that even The Rock gets booed? And he looks out into the audience going, I don't don't remember what these these sounds are. We're in uh, Phoenix, so no. That's a good point. <laughs> if there, there, it depends on the city. That's always a that's always a possibility depending yeah. on the town you're in. Chicago, New York, Philly. Um, yeah, if they don't like it, they'll let you know. But if right. we're in Phoenix, and I don't think anyone here has actually ever watched wrestling before, which is cool. Yeah, we actually got all the yeah, wrestling people here. You guys here. are all imports. No one's actually from <laughs> Phoenix, right? <laughs> You'll hear me booing. I'll be booing if it's someone too predictable. Like, I don't know who had the Seth Rollins hot take. Yeah, what a, wow, what a bold prediction, sir. Way to really go balls to the wall in front of a live audience. Uh, okay. Tony, who do you have winning the women's? Uh, the I, women's ha- I have The Undertaker winning the women's Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of, those Hell are the yeah. kind of swerves that I like. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I will tell you is uh, I, I I think, and this is what I said on, I have a little wrestling podcast with me and some of my comedy buddies at the comedy store, and uh, my bold prediction for the men's Royal Rumble is to win 
I would love to see coming in at, say, number 26, 27, 28, Ronda Rousey to be, you know, I mean, they put China, I believe, in a Royal Rumble and before, Beth right? Phoenix. I think Swerve City, so Ronda comes out and somehow, you know, that maybe the guys don't want to mess with her, right? Like, no, you know, that's too easy. I'm going to take so care of this So then Ronda fights Brock at Mania? I or love it. Be- I love it. I love it. I'm telling you, we I, do all these. We we we've been giving women more and more opportunities in the WWE. They, they they had the main event. You know what I mean? This and that. I say let's let's push them all the way. I want to see Ronda get F5 to like 35 times. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm hoping we have like surprise women this year. I, I think they've Bull, only announced like 20 Yeah, or so. I want yeah. Bull Nakano. Oh, oh my God. She was awesome. If Bull Nakano showed up, or even like Miko Satomura, if she yes. showed up, that would yes. be sick. Yeah. Did you guys know Bull Nakano like became an LPGA golfer? Have yeah. You, have you, no, I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute. This was like the baddest woman that I ever saw yeah. as a child. If she did like that 10-year like, nah. challenge, she looks amazing right now, too. Yeah, she's, she, uh, hopefully she still has tall blue hair. In the makeup. <laughs> I love it. The yeah, she was like, I mean, she's become this like delicate flower of a person. I follow her on Instagram, and I'm like, I can't believe this is the same She's like the Sam Roberts of the women's world. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You mean the new bull or the old bull? All of the above. (laughs) Well, how are you guys going to handle, you know, we are talking about the history of the Royal Rumble, all the things that have happened. You know, uh, uh, one of my uh, uh, great memories, I believe, in the 1997 Royal Rumble, the WWE went to San Antonio, Texas, they were competing with the WCW's cruiserweight division, and of course, there was a big uh, Hispanic population in San Antonio, Texas. So the WWE tried to bring in some some AAA stars. One of them was the great Mil Mascaris. Yeah. Well, some believe the the greatest masked wrestler of all time. But this was his Royal Rumble appearance. There he is, he's on the top rope, and And that's Mil Mascara. (laughs) (laughs) He may be confused with the rules. There he is. He eliminated himself. (laughs) Just saying. I used he to watched go, that and went, God damn, Mil I used Mascaris. to go to a, a Mil Mascaris uh, taco joint in New York called La Lucha. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in Alphabet City. It's there? awesome. Uh, no, but they used to project all of his, uh, all of his matches. On Man of a thousand masks. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not that one. Yeah. No, no, it was not that. <laughs> that one might not, not have been uh, projected. So do you guys hope for moments like that so you can kind of be like, let's deal with this now? Or do you go like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, I, I've gotten to the point where I, 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 I pride myself on being able to cover up stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but sometimes when it's beyond me, I just go, yeah, no, that was just, I got nothing for that. I, I you love that Lucha stuff. House rules. No. <laughs> here's, here's a question. Oh. No? Still real to me, damn it. Here's a question for Corey Graves along those same lines. Uh, several months ago on Raw, and this has bothered me ever since then, several months ago, uh, you remember Kurt Angle was dressed up as... Uh, Hunter S. Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it was uh, one of the Conquistadors. Oh, yeah, 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 He showed up in all gold, and then the next week, somebody that clearly wasn't Kurt Angle pretended to be Kurt Angle, and nobody <laughs> led on to it except right at the peak of, like, who could it be? And, and you know, the authors of Painter in there. 
somebody's voice just pipes up on commentary and goes, yeah, that's not Kurt Angle. That's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's clearly not him. It's a different size. And I'm going, did, did Graves just... <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of stuff I deal with. Um, yeah, the, my, the highlight of that day was watching Devon Dudley. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Who was one of our producers with the extra, the local extra, who was dressed up in the Conquistador costume that night, rehearsing the dance. It was awesome. <laughs> it was Devon Dudley, who is not quite as slender as you remember him. And he's in the ring trying to do this dance. And there's this, this poor local extra kid who's just like, they gave me 500 bucks, I'll do whatever you want. He's trying to do it, and both of them are rehearsing this dance in the midst of rehearsals of like stuff that's actually going to happen on Raw. So in the background of like, let's say a, a, a Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman promo, there's Devon in the Conquistador, <laughs> just in the background. It was it was just one of those things where you went, what what the f- am I doing in my it life? It makes the taste tolerable. It's good stuff. You I need love stuff like, like that. that. <laughs> do you Tony? Do you like when you say like the swerves? Do you like like the the disastrous moments like that? Like like the Mil Mascaras thing in the Rumble, or just the stuff that you look at and go like. Both. Under what context would both, that ever happen? Both, all of it, all, yeah. all, in both types of swerves. Like I like it like that. I like the Shockmaster. <laughs> uh... Here's a here's a bit of trivia for you. Yeah. And I know Renee knows. I don't know that a lot of people know. The Shockmaster's son actually rings the bell for us now. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, the Shockmaster not only reproduced. You get grandfathered into the. Yes, it's an incestuous business. Uh, <laughs> yes, but the Shockmaster's son is our official timekeeper does he, now. Does he, does he just fall on the bell? No, like, no, no, but, but he, he does wear a, a purple Stormtrooper helmet everywhere he goes. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I recently had a debate with somebody about the Shockmaster who, uh, it was the, I think that that was a worse disaster than the Titus O'Neil disaster because it literally ended a man's career. Like, there was nothing that poor Typhoon could Except do after that. Except for the that. fact, like, he just had a figure come out, like, last year. Like, really? he became folklore. Well, that's the other side of it, that now Mattel put out a Shockmaster figure. He goes to autograph signings with the Shockmaster helmet, the yeah. original Stormtrooper glittered-up helmet. And I'm going, like, yeah, it, it was about 20 years of rough but he really He's came out the now. other end looking yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to like, I want a piece of drywall signed by him. Yeah. <laughs> what a huge human being for the record. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like yeah. you watch because that, that was the era I, I grew up on. And you see Earthquake and Hulk Hogan and Tugboat, and you're like, oh well, he's like kind of the same size as Hulk, but he's way bigger. And even now, he he's the sweetest guy, and he's all gray, but he's still like six foot nine and four hundred pounds and terrifying. And um, yeah, I'm like, it, but that's the Shockmaster. Oh, that poor guy will never not be the Shockmaster. He's never. been smart enough to lean into it. Yeah, just he like he leaned into that I, wall. I can't wait for like the new WWE ring with Titus O'Neil's legs. <laughs> as, you know, let's I'm let's so get Mattel on the phone. I'm so sad you guys played that before I got out here. I know. It was it was just exactly the same. I laughed just as hard. We heard a we heard a massive pop on the other side of the wall. <laughs> was there anybody when that Titus thing happened that was going like, guys? Don't laugh at that. That's not, that's not cool. No, 
No. <laughs> Literally zero people felt that way. Really? Everyone went, yeah, that was the funniest thing that's happened in forever. <laughs> I think they should, you know, just like it took the Shockmaster a long time to lean into that, I think Titus should be, everything should be based on that now. I like agree. it's like, <laughs> like, for example, Sunday when they count down and the, his music hits, he should just still be coming out from under the <laughs> ring instead of. I concur, except for the sad reality of it is, if the plan were for to him to mess up, he'd screw it up. <laughs> Listen, we all love Titus O'Neil as a human being. He's a, he's, I've said it already, he's an incredible man. Trust him with my family. He's, he does great you stuff for the community. You said that about Byron. Yeah, I tr I'm trying to get rid of my kids, Renee, all right? <laughs> I already got rid of my wife. Now I'm trying to get rid of the kids. No. <laughs> Here we go. Um, yeah, no, he just, but if you, if you tell him something that has to be done, this, this uh, Royal Rumble trivia. Several years back, Titus O'Neil was given the keys to the the uh, the award of having the fastest elimination in Royal Rumble history, oh, yeah. which up until him, I believe, was one Santino? of the Bushwhackers, oh. maybe Santino. It was like a three, four-second window situation. The decision had been made that that distinction would now go to Titus, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's a good it's, spot. It's, it, it, yeah, if you're, I've, I was in the Royal Rumble less time than anybody else ever. That's kind of funny, and why not roll with it? Titus has no ego. He's happy to do it, except he screwed up. He got in the ring. Whoever was supposed to clothesline him clotheslined him, and Titus just couldn't find the ropes. And it and looked a little something. Ah. <laughs> oh, we have it. Ah. God damn. I told you I'm the last professional broadcaster. Man, I was just going to give you that heads up. The last it professional looked broadcaster. <laughs> a little something like this. Entry number 26. 2015, by the way. There's Mayor Glenn. Oh, yeah, yeah, what listen, a hunk. Listen to that pop from the crowd. <laughs> I did it. He's still making million dollar moves here. Primetime player Titus. Oh, that mean? There he is. Smashing the stairs. He's super pissed off. Ready yeah. to fight everyone. There he and is. Double close. Oh, nope. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> there is nothing better than his second leap. This, the, 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 the second leap, because he gets the clothesline, he takes the clothesline, but the rope's not there. So, so Dean and Roman try to clothesline him again to help him out, but he's not there to take it because he's like, I'm throwing myself over these ropes. I don't have a second to spare. I got a record to keep yeah, here. No, but the problem is he missed the record. He did. It's gone. Like, he, he, did. He, he, did not, he did not achieve the record that no, we were he all didn't. hoping for. Poor no, he didn't. Poor. So, um, it would have been great if when he hit the, again, when he hit the ground after that, just roll right back under. I mean, just like, it's just, it's, Let's relive it. Let's just try to do it all. Just get, him out, uh, get him under there before the show starts. Take him out after everybody leaves. Yeah, he's like a mini fridge in like a beanbag chair or something. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, the, is there anything you can do with Titus this year? Because in a Royal Rumble scenario, the minute Titus O'Neil's music hits, people want to see a slip and slide. That's it. I don't no. know if you can recreate that magic. You can't, right? Because you can't do it on purpose, but you can't no. not do it. No, because he tried to do it on purpose like the following Raw, and it was stupid. <laughs> not, it was like, wait a minute, that's not funny. It was, it was yeah. You know, uh, there was another uh, Royal Rumble elimination that was replayed over and over and over again. But this was far before Titus O'Neil. I mean, we were all children when this one took place. This is going back to the year 2000. Remember Ooh. that? The yeah. Y2K. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Everything's yeah. ending. 
And of course, I'm talking about uh, somebody who is still wrestling in New Japan now, Takamichinoku. Oh. Does anybody, and, and this was a big deal in 2000, but do you guys remember the Taka elimination? I see no, these listen. guys, they think Bullet Club invented Japanese wrestling, so they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Got them. In 2000, uh, Kai and Tai. Don't send me mean tweets. <laughs> Kai and Tai. Funaki and Taka. Funaki, I just ran into in the airport. What a hell of a human being he He's is. He's a great guy, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Men's tail. They weren't in the Royal Rumble match, but they kept jumping in. Like, that was the gag. And uh, Taka jumped in one too many times. Ladies and gentlemen. This is the wrong. Hang God on. damn Hang it, on. Sam. Hot dog. Everyone oh. boo Sam. One, two, three, boo. Thank you. Thank Listen, you. lobster pants, you need to stop. Just Thank stop. You. Just roll with the roll with the flow. <laughs> let's, let's see if this one is. There it is. Wait a minute. Hey, Kai and Ty, they're not, they're not in the rumble. They were and a couple of those guys that D-Lo. were mad they weren't God in the rumble. D-Lo and it looks like Headbanger Mosh in a cone bra. Okay, there's one elimination. Grandmaster Sex A. Crotched him. Not great. He came back. They're back again. Kai and Ty. That's a test. Gangrel. Big boss, man. Gangrel, what a human being. Here we go. Watch this. Rest in peace, Takas. Oh, watch him. Watch him. Oh, the humanity. Now, what people don't remember is, like, and this is when, I guess, uh, like, when Titus uh, fell and they replayed it over and over again, it was just fun. Like, that f***ed him up. Yeah, he had, like, a broken collarbone and a concussion and it's not funny. But they still the- went on Raw and they were like, you gotta see this elimination. He slammed his face yeah. all over the mat. It's basically the basis of, like, barstool sports. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... Wow, Captain Transitions He's been having a hell of a run on the NXT TakeOver pre-show. Also the NFL. The NFL. Broadcasting NFL and college football games. I mean, That guy's going to about to kick his ass, so Pat might not make it. He's got a Sam Roberts t-shirt on. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Ross. (laughs) Hi, Pat. Pat. Great to see you all. This is a cool little thing you guys got going on. Cuzzy, what's going on? That's hey, you right. two are really fucking good on TV together, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Sam, great face again. You, you, see you on the internet. You're hilarious. Thank you, thank you. Yes, <laughs> indeed. How thank has your you. life been as a as a independent small business owner? I feel like every time I, I sit up, yeah. you've got another small venture happening, whether it's a... Uh, an NFL game, but you just pop in. You go, hey, NFL, I'm here for today. Now back to my small business. Yeah, they sent me home immediately after the game and told me they would never like me on air again, but they enjoyed what I did. So that makes no sense at all, but here we are. Yeah, but here's what happens with you. You know how to capitalize on a moment. Like, I go, okay, McAfee's just doing one game. Like, it'll just be a fun, cute thing. And then all over the internet is like, hey, here's the greatest football call of all time. And there's... There's young Patrick. Thank you. Young Patrick yeah, behind, behind a microphone. Loose. I was pretty loose in the booth there, Sam. <laughs> I, got, I got declined from the NFL broadcast boot camp three times. Really? Okay. So any NFL player you see that's in a booth or commentating goes to the NFL broadcast boot camp. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. What happens you, there? And all the bigwigs are there. There's a lot of handshaking. They teach you how to read cards and stuff. Yeah. There is some stuff, I think, behind the scenes. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I was rejected three times from that. 
So I'm the first person to ever get into a game that has zero, zero education and commentary aside from listening to dumbass Corey Graves <laughs> two nights a week out of my life. Mm. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what the hell that play was called, but it was stupid, and that guy's helmet sucks. That's kind of that's that's, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah, that's why I draw the line. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good little life I live. Yeah, it's very dumb. Would this shirt's for sale, by the way. Speaking of small business owner, mm -hmm. you can buy it right now, twenty percent off. All of you in here, everybody else can eat shit. All right? <laughs> How go. do they get the twenty percent off? I don't know. I, what I really is your know. connection to Bob Ross? I just, I'm a fan. We both uh, enjoy vitamins uh, and paint some stuff together. Yeah, he was paint. like apparently a real badass at one point, right? Was he really? like a Vietnam vet? I, maybe someone's blowing smoke up my ass. I think that's, that's the same story about every sort of kid's TV. Yeah, Mr. Oh, that Rogers. Was Mr. Rogers, yeah. that was everybody. No, he was Mr. a Rogers. sniper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just uh, tattoos all up and down under that cardigan. Hinchcliffe killed 11 people in Iraq. That's actually true. I actually did do that. Not a lot of people know this. It, uh, I, wasn't even, uh, I wasn't even fighting as a soldier. I was there to do a comedy gig. Shit in bad. Savage. I don't know. I don't like heckling. <laughs> so do you, I noticed that the face is not, does the estate of Bob Ross get yeah. a piece of that? Or if you don't put the eyes and nose and mouth on, no worries. This is 100% for legal purposes only. This could be you, Sam, to be right, honest. Right, right. Cease and desist from the Ross family has come across the brawl there to Indianapolis. So. And are you going to choose either of those two options? No. Oh. <laughs> probably also, bankruptcy. Yeah. Probably. That's also, if you guys want like an Austin 316 shirt, McAfee's got him in his back trunk. You and I both know uh, very well that uh, TakeOver is also going on. It's not just Royal Rumble weekend. Is there something specific that you're looking forward to at NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Um, yeah, I mean, every time they do the takeover, there's just insane shit that happens. Sam. Did a Obviously. bullshit detector just go off, Corey Graves? Obviously. Did, was there? Was that a bullshit no, detector that, that just, I? Nope. Sometimes I'm. Nope. I'm here. I'm good. This is my favorite version of Graves. Everybody, welcome him. <laughs> Matt. This is Matt. Yeah. Yeah. This is the world champion of love speaking to you. Come on. Well, you know. I'm um, excited, though, Sam, to talk with you mostly. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited every time uh, we hang out. You know, I don't think it's going to be the same in Phoenix as it was in New York. Tony, get out of the way so they can kiss. Yeah, I was going to say, I <laughs> hey, mean, Tony. there's a lot of steam happening. <laughs> I think I just saw Bob Ross's paintbrush stick up. <laughs> That's, uh, is that a Van Dyke Brown? <laughs> Legend, yeah. Legendary stick on Cuzzy there. But uh, <laughs> Mark Henry, world's strongest man, had Hates me. Well, you had to carry me home the last yeah. time in New York. After I saw that, you but don't remember, but I did. Great. Oh, you were, yeah, you were at the, you were at Caroline. Yeah. Oddly enough, the night before, you were the voice of reason to me. Yep. And I went, oh, this kind of sucks. And then I heard about Saturday, and I went, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Pat uh, uh, almost quit the WWE uh, over SummerSlam weekend. He was insisting to me, I'm going home. Yeah. I'm humiliated. Yep. And don't bring this up again, Sam. We're, we're over this. We're past it. Well, Sam tried to make me kill myself. <laughs> he did, so... I don't think I'm capable of... You did, though. So we had a bus over to the arena in New York, and this was the evening after the world's strongest man apparently carried me home that I did not Literally. recall. Literally, yeah. I spotted, by Mark's the way. Mark's a true angel of a man. He, he is. is. He One is. hand, by the way, picked I know. me up. It was wild. It was still. a breeze. What's great is that you didn't look like anything bad had happened because Mark was like, everything's fine. It was like weekend at Bernie's. And yeah, it, was. <laughs> it really was. It was awesome. It was like walking my legs for me. It was awesome. 
So I get in the van, and Sam's already on the van. I was late, obviously, to the van, like by five minutes or something. No biggie. And I come in, and I'm like, oh, I feel rough this morning, you know? And he's like, hey, you should. You were pretty crazy last night, Caroline's. I was like, I was at Caroline's? He was like, oh. <laughs> and then the ride from the hotel to the arena, all Sam did was just explain to me how embarrassed I should be. But it, <laughs> but it was just me and you in the van, right? No, no, there was an entire crowd of people in the van. It oh. was like a stand-up set for fucking Sam Roberts there. <laughs> and by the time I got to the arena, I literally hid in a corner, and I was like, I can't see anybody. Everybody knows that I, what I did last night, and I was going to get on a plane and fly home before the show. I was like, I'm fucking out of here. Never coming back, heading to Japan. That's where I'm going. He, he was that guilt friend. So I knew we were in trouble. Uh, uh, this was... Uh, when you the, invited us. Yeah, yeah. True. No, this was... By the way, the things that Corey has said uh, on this show are so much more appropriate than what he was saying in New York. Uh, it's remarkable. We're in Phoenix. Wide so, uh, uh, Hey, you were wide open at the last one. <laughs> I know. In New York. Yeah. Wide open. Yeah, no, yeah. I, like I said, I remember being here tonight, so that's, that's, that's a step up. It's an improvement. Pat, unfortunately, didn't remember being at Caroline's. I knew we were yeah. in trouble when, you know, we walked... Pat and I walked uh, through Times Square to get to Caroline's Comedy Club in Manhattan, where young Renee and... and young Renee, yes. That's right. Very young. Dolph Ziggler and uh, The Miz and a whole bunch of people. Scott Stanford. So uh, uh, I knew we were, we were we get through Times Square. Pat, what's that football move that you do to people when you get intoxicated? What's that called? So there, we have a problem in society. Everybody's looking at their phones. Yes. So I hit them with a nice little hit. A little juke, you know? Yeah, juke. Wake them up, mm -hmm. and then you hit a little spin move on them, Tony, right there in Times Square. And if you're intoxicated, sometimes you stumble on your jukes. So yeah. people really got to look alive out there, Tony. That's what wow. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, and at times you, you stumble onto the hoods of moving cars. I juked. Yeah, you hit by a car? It didn't move. He, you got hit by a car? The well, car I stopped. Think I hit the car. Yeah, okay. that's more like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He, he hit the car. But we, so we get to Caroline's Comedy Club, and uh, Pat goes, I got to go to the bathroom. And I said, all right, I'll wait for Pat outside the bathroom. And I ended up talking to somebody. Ten minutes, Pat hasn't come out of the bathroom. I go, what happened to Pat? And I walked into the bathroom. It's empty. Pat has disappeared. He's disappeared into thin air. And I go, you know what? He's going to find his way home. No problem. 20 minutes later, into the main showroom of Caroline's Comedy Club, Pat comes in, stumbling into people, yelling at people. There's a guy running after him. Mr. McAfee! Mr. McAfee! Mr. McAfee! Because Pat has, uh, has strung up in 20 minutes a $900 bar Pat! bill. <laughs> And I was going to do it here, too. I was going to do it here. <laughs> and the guy, at, <laughs> the guy at Caroline's is terrified that he's too intoxicated to sign his receipt. Once he's got that signature, he's, he's got the cash. He's all good. Good to go. Um, before the show started, uh, Pat McAfee did pass out. He was uh, unconscious. That's when I saw you. Mm -hmm. That's when I first met you. <laughs> Great to see you again, Renee. Lovely. <laughs> That's awesome. I and, hear uh, things are working out for you. Everything's going real great. Yeah. yeah. The guy at Caroline's kept coming over to me and going, do you know him? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. They gave Sam a blanket. <laughs> they were like really concerned. Hey, Cuzzy, it was pretty awesome. Fucking 900. Night. Yeah, I said, hey, fucking one for everybody in here. I gave one of those moves. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I was, it was a thing. I thought we were having a good time. If I spent $900 on alcohol, I'm carrying Mark Henry home at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, 
we tried to give Pat coffee. We tried to wake him up. He wouldn't wake up. He wouldn't wake up. By the time there was like 20 minutes left in the show, I was like, Mark, we need to wake up Pat and get him out of here now because if we wait until the show's over, oh boy. he's going to become a social butterfly again. Yeah. He, also, he's not going to be able to walk up the stairs. We need to get him. We need to just get him out of here. And Mark goes, you're right. You're right. And so Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, picked up a Super Bowl NFL player. Like I was a, an, a toddler. He picked me up like I was a toddler, one-handed. Yeah, yeah, just carried me out while I think Dolph was doing his set while I was walking out. And You're get, better off. <laughs> How dare you? I don't think Dolph deserved that. But I gave him like a good luck on my way out, he told me, which is very he nice He told of you me. that? Yeah, he told me that the next day. All you can do is take his word for it. Very nice of me to say that to him. It's, yeah. it's good luck when you get carried out with your eyes closed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Henry the next day, though, ran into me at the arena, and this was after they forced me to stay. I was really going to leave. I was yeah. forced to stay. And he was like, he pointed at me and like gave me that. This is the first time I've seen him since hearing about what happened. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go talk to Mark Henry right now. This is going to be an awful moment. So I sit down next to him, he puts his arm around me, he goes, you old school, man. And also, look at this $900 bill. You gotta call and complain about that. There's no way you spent $900. I was with you. You were. It was like four minutes. There's no way you spent. I was like, that. That probably did happen, Mark. He said, How? I was like, I think I bought a drink for everybody. He said, You spent $900. I was like, Yeah, Mark. He said, You, you fool, man. I was like, Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much, Mark. I was like, you don't hate me, though? He was like, hate you? You spent $900 in four minutes. <laughs> I was like, my man. So I think me and the world's strongest man are best friends. Oh, yeah. Mark's It's lovely. a really good day for me to have that in my back pocket. Well, here's uh, uh, one of my great memories of that evening. Perfect. Was uh, <laughs> We're back on that bus to the arena right now, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you should... So we, we exited Caroline's through another building. You know, and I was just in the lobby of that building recently, and it was just, I just started getting deja vu, and I felt, I felt about that building the way Corey Graves feels when he watches Titus O'Neil disappear under a ring. Just Not happiness. Happy. Just happiness. Right. It's just such a great, I'm curious. it, it was amazing. So, uh, Pat's sitting there on the couch of this building. It's like, you know, whatever, two o'clock in the morning. It's the overnight desk guy. You know, in Manhattan, there's one guy who works in the entire building overnight because Poor who guy. would need to be in an office building overnight? Poor guy. And so Pat's sitting there, and he's on the couch. Project Mayhem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just saying. And uh, Mark calls the Uber, and Pat's decided he'd prefer to not get off the couch. He like to comfortable, Tony. I've been in that goddamn comedy club chair for like two hours. I found a couch in that living room. Are you sure it just wasn't Mark Henry? <laughs> I could have been laying on Mark Henry. Now that I think about it. Yeah. And uh, big, beautiful, chocolate brown couch. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. Just, Soft, warm leather. Yeah. <laughs> Sexual feathers in there. Mark Henry would make a hell of a sofa, I mean, to be fair. The I couch kept, kept lifting me up with one arm. <laughs> so, uh, Could have happened, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm Ab sure. Absolutely. So uh, I go, Mark, you got to help me get him off the couch because I'm not as strong as Mark Henry. No. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> the world's second strongest man, <laughs> Sam Roberts. You guys That's remember right. when Mark Henry gave birth to a hand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you done good. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I had a lot working against me, you know. But as we're, uh, as, as we're walking back into the lobby to try to peel Pat off this couch... By the way, incredible friendship by you. Thank you. Honestly. Thank you. I would have left me to die. No, 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 no. I wasn't going to... We were going to see this thing through. I appreciate that. Mark Henry goes, Oh, hell no! Because Pat, as he's sitting on the couch, just decides to lean over to his side and evacuate the contents of his stomach onto the floor. Some dollars in four minutes. He was throwing up all the drinks that he bought for everybody yes. at that yeah. bar. Yes. And that's when Mark Henry knows, okay, it's time to be the world's strongest man. And he picks him up and he carries him out. And the overnight desk guy goes, who's going to clean that up? And Mark's like, we got to go. <laughs> and we walked out. And, and, and the, the, the bow on this entire experience was we walk out and Pat's got to finish what he started. So he's dry heaving on the sidewalk, hands on knees, making a scene. He's being loud and everything. It's just, he's not in great shape. Mark's over there. He's trying to call the Uber. I'm just clearly being observant. Yeah, of and, course. And people are walking by and looking at Pat like, oh, of course, this, I have to deal with this in New York. This yeah. is disgusting, blah, blah, blah. This couple walks by. They look at Pat. They're just disgusted. They're trying to avoid eye contact, but they can't not look. And as they're trying to avoid eye contact, they go, oh, are you Mark Henry? (laughs) (laughs) It's a magical moment for them. (laughs) And they got to meet the world's strongest man. But uh... And this recollection, ladies and gentlemen, is why it sucks to have sober friends. (laughs) Touche. Amen. Because otherwise I'm in it with you. One of my favorite drunk moments is uh, Corey Graves texting me. We're in Los Angeles. That he's in a cab. I don't know where he's going, but Neither apparently did I. the IRS <laughs> is hot on his trail. I somehow. It was a I, wild I'm not, minute. I'm not great at public transportation. Minutes. I grew up in Pittsburgh where we we had taxis. We didn't have like a public transportation system, so it's still all kind of new to me. I live kind of n- near New York, and I'm still a taxi guy. Maybe Uber. So when I'm in L.A., I'm in a goddamn different country. It's a frenzy. Uh, I had went out and had myself a time, and I decided I was going to be responsible and go home, except I couldn't figure out how to do that. <laughs> By the way, I happens. Him, I asked him to send me his pin like 45 times, and he didn't know what that I meant. Said, I said, I have like, no idea what that means. Well-being. I ended up, uh, I, I accidentally decided to do an Uber ride share. <laughs> oh, now he's yeah. frugal. Which... As, as a drunken human being, you don't ever want to do. And I ended up with the two worst women on the West Coast <laughs> in the back seat, arguing. I don't even remember why, but we were just not getting along. It was very, very, very contentious. Um, and somehow I decided that at that point the IRS was after me, which they may or may not be. I don't know. But at that point, I was convinced. And somehow I ended up back in my hotel room, and I looked through my text messages the next morning, as you often do, and they were Yikes. all to Renee. And she hit repeatedly, kept saying, where are you? I'll come get you. Where are you? Send me a pin. That's trying to be nice. I don't know what that means. What do you mean a pin? I have no clue where I'm at. I am everywhere. <laughs> that was like, those were legit answers. I'm everywhere. I'm like, what the f***? <laughs> Well, we should... uh, Quit. We should quit? 
I mean just the business as a whole. Like, I it's see, not going to get see. any better than just, this. Okay. Just stop. People show up to listen to us talk shit. It's not going to be any, any better. <laughs> this is the pinnacle. Tony's the only one that's actually done it right. I'm having fun. This is like if Fire Festival actually happened. Let's go! <laughs> hey, I'm if you need some water, send me in, cuz. Oh! <laughs> it's that time of the evening for me to ask people. Pass away. Tony, what's your favorite Royal Rumble? Hmm. This uh, actually is a wrestling show. Um, <laughs> that, one's, uh, that one's easy for me, actually. I'm a massive, massive, massive Ric Flair fan. 19! Above everybody and everything. I even married a woman named Charlotte, and one of the main reasons why is because he, he has was, a daughter. She was named also Charlotte, his daughter. It was right? weird. <laughs> it's a lot. And, and uh, I'm just, uh, you know, that's it. So Ric Flair, 92. 92. Ric Flair, bad, bad guy the all the way through. Bad guy through his final promo, just celebrating. He With looked a like tear a guy, in my eye. He looked like a guy that was about to go have the time of his life. And you know, he's, he's probably about to. F- Spend nine hundred dollars at a bar, buying everybody <laughs> drinks. He just won no the Royal problem. Rumble. Relax. And uh, you know, it's just Ric Flair all the way. Anytime I, I ever see him, you. hear his music, even if it's just for a second, I lose my goddamn mind. I bend at the knee for Ric Flair. Well, let's see how you feel after this. Goddamn psycho shit. By the way, how, justice can, how confusing was this to see Hulk Hogan? Get so butthurt that he tried to eliminate Sid. He's supposed to be a hero. Sid's not even mad at him. He's not even great to see. He was 71 years old there. He looks incredible. Here it is. In my eye. There it is. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one when you are the king of the WWF. You rule the world. Woo! (laughs) Although that was missing one thing. Put that cigarette out. <laughs> okay. I would love us to have a quick little Mean Gene moment here. I mean, yeah. Man, what a guy. What a guy. What an unbelievable human being. I feel like for anyone that's not got the chance to have met Mean Gene, he's actually the person that you would imagine he is. Yeah, you got to work so with great. him quite a bit. I worked with him, yeah, a lot. Actually, my very first job I ever had when I first started with WWE was working with Mean Gene. Uh, and we got WWE Vintage in Canada uh, actually on the network that I worked at. So I was like super nervous coming in my first day to be working with him. And he's just like such a gem. He made me feel so comfortable. Um, and we would just like go hang out and drink Okerlunds at the end of the show. And What's yeah. an Okerlund? Uh, yeah. An Okerlund is a, a vodka soda with no, well, splash and cran. If you want to get fancy per Okerlund, it's a double kettle. Because he kettle dealt with up. nothing else. Du- double kettle. Soda, splash of cranberry. He's so the best. you guys should all order them right now. Yeah. Pat's got it. It's on Pat's Pat. Got it. It's on Pat. I was wondering <laughs> if we could get a couple Okerlands. They the work boys. just as fine with Well, by the way. I, I, that's, that's I've been doing it all day. Yeah, me and Gene I'll was pull just the, the trigger best. on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pat, yeah. Do you go? Uh, yeah, that feels good. Pat, do you go? <laughs> <laughs> do a quick head count before I you did, commit. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quick math. 
Do you uh, do you go deep enough to have a favorite Royal Rumble? So, so I have big, I have favorite moments. Like what Kofi does. Yeah. Is like I'm excited to see that. Like I'm excited to see what Kofi does when Santino threw himself out. I like that moment. Yeah. They're like I just enjoy the magical moments that happen. I hope. I hope in NXT. They don't have the Royal Rumble next. No, but I hope somebody gets caught up. You know, Pat and I grew up in rival high schools. That's right. What a weird world it is. That's right. I succeeded, and he kicked footballs. True though, he used to have to drive past a sign that said my name on it. it Home did. of Pat McAfee every day of his life. It did. It really then, bothered me. Yeah, still does, as you can hear in his voice right there. <laughs> <laughs> Dripping in disdain. <laughs> what about you, Renee Young? Do you have a favorite Royal Rumble? Gosh, I mean, I feel like any like HBK stuff so great, but. I'm going to be a little bit of, like, a chick here. And I, honestly, last year, watching women do their thing was, like, really... It's not a bad pick. It was pick. killer. It was, absolutely was. It was, not it a was bad super really, good. Yeah. It was awesome. Like, and straight... Just, like, and just, like, re-watching it, like, leading up to this Sunday and, like, watching all, like, the hard work those women did and, like, what a iconic moment that was of having Ronda come out and point at the WrestleMania sign. Like, it was badass. They did it right. And for anyone that, like waits to like watch the women have their moment and do their thing i really feel like they uh they stood up and held that time i completely agree and, and, and i'm gonna put myself on blast here and i think i'm probably not the only man in this room that was like oh it's cool they're doing that it's not gonna be that good right like i'll i'll, I'll paint myself with that guilty brush i was like oh they're gonna do it and it's gonna be okay but it is what it and then, then it happens, and I am as caught up in it and emotional as anybody on the goddamn planet Earth watching this. And I was just like, "Wow!" It was, it was, it was, it was incredible, moments, you like, know. Even like, like the moments between like Trish and Mickey, right, and like and it was, Maddie and Beth and Beth and Nia, like there was such cool in that match. I completely agree, and I think sometimes it gets caught up in it, like. Let's be. Let's. It's like let's a checklist. Yeah. It's you're going like okay, so it's it's a general thing. Every everyone's get more opportunity. It doesn't necessarily always work. Right. right like doing opportunity, like opportunity for the sake uh, of opportunity and instead I'm not, of. I'll paint guys and girls with the same brush. Just because you had the opportunity doesn't mean it's going to work. Right. So to see the women last year and call that and be their ringside and I, I will be a hundred percent honest. I was skeptical. I was going like I don't know if this is going to be as cool as the the men's and. They tore the house down and stole Molly, the show. I think Holly, I could see the, Molly Holly looked like a million The women bucks. have been crushing. No, uh, 100%. completely crushing. Right. They, they, they are. And I'm, I'm, I'm more, this is more of a confessional. Yeah, I'm, admitting, true. I'm admitting my true. going like, cool, I'm glad they're getting the opportunity, but eh, is it really going to be like, and, I, and you guys, if you guys, all of you tell me you've never thought that, you're. Um, <laughs> But, but, like, it happens, you know what I mean? You just go, like, okay, cool, they're going to do this thing. Is it really going to... And then you go, holy... That was beyond what I expected, and now I'm, I'm genuinely stoked on all that stuff, so... But, you know, I think I for so many women that get, like, handed that baton to go out and do something great on such, like, a large, a, a large stage with so many people watching, it's like... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's just oh there's an immense God. amount of pressure for for all these women to come out and have like such a great showing, uh, and then you got like this guy. You're trying to have a moment. Renee's trying I to be trying like to have a moment. He's kind of wrap it up on a nice. I tried to have a moment with her. It was weird. It was very. <laughs> yeah, I get Sorry. it. Hey, uh, I'll give you your money back. Have you guys had a good time Pat. tonight? Yeah. Well then, uh, I'd like to thank my guests first of all, Mr. Tony Hinchcliffe, and any yeah. of you. If you enjoyed Tony, 
You could just stick around. He's going to be on at 10 p.m. tonight on this stage in this room doing stand-up. Wow. He brought 241 friends. All of them are better than the four of us. <laughs> True. So I, do thank a, you, Tony. I do have a lot of friends coming. Thanks. And I'm doing a podcast tomorrow, Kill Tony, at Stand Up Live in Phoenix at 3 p.m. Wow. You want to sell some shirts? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, right before NXT TakeOver Phoenix, you will get to uh, hear this golden tongue devil for yourselves. Wow. Uh, well, on I don't the think NXT. I've had silver with that was high as a god, as man. Thank you. Hey, you're doing a great job, Sam. Thank you. On the NXT Phoenix TakeOver pre-show, ladies and gentlemen, Pat McAfee. Thank you all so much. From the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Thank you. First yes. one got stolen. Uh, the woman who will be uh, uh, doing uh, commentary at the Royal Rumble at Monday Night Raw with pink hair. Looks good. I did not get this approved. Renee Young. And the man who has never gotten anything approved. Accomplished. <laughs> My co-host, Corey Graves. Yeah. Most importantly, thank all of you. You have all been great. Good night, everybody. Thank you, guys. I cannot overstate how fun that event was and how much fun we're going to have at the next event. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast, you know there has been a major beef going on between yours truly, the last professional broadcaster here on Not Sam Wrestling, and those pesky major brothers, Brian Myers, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, over on the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. Some of you love it. Some of you are sick of it. Some of you are just enjoying the ride. But... It's time for it to all to come to a head. And it's going down Wednesday night, February 27th. Yes, we need to do it, and we need to do it in front of an audience. You guys need to bear witness to this. The most epic battle in all of wrestling-related podcasting. It's not Sam Wrestling versus the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. It's happening in New York City at Caroline's on Broadway. Go to carolines.com, get your tickets now, and see this whole thing go down. February 27th, Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m., New York City, carolines.com. Get those tickets now. Here is Sam Roberts. All right, we keep moving along and moving along. Thank you, of course, to Corey Graves, first and foremost, for co-hosting that event with me. Thank you to Renee Young for being such an amazing part of it, to Tony Hinchcliffe for being an amazing part of it, to Pat McAfee for being an amazing part of it. They're all amazing. Now, look, Twitter has been a place full of landmines for me. This week, I'm arguing with Zack Ryder going back and forth. I know, I know, I know, I understand, but... It has to happen. I can't remain silent over here when, 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 when barbs are getting thrown my way. So we talked about it last week about the potential. This week on the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, the Major Brothers, uh, they, they put down the date, they put down the time, and it's been accepted. Caroline's on Broadway, February 27th, Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. It's not Sam Wrestling. It's the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. We squash the beef, and we do it in front of all of you. Get your tickets now at carolines.com. You're not going to want to miss it. Now, something that I know a lot of you didn't miss was 
the NXT TakeOver kickoff show. Now, I don't want to dwell on this, which is why it's not a part of the state of wrestling, because this isn't the Not Sam Wrestling, let's talk about what Sam Roberts did on Wrestling Podcast. This is the Not Sam Wrestling Podcast, where our mission is to talk about what's going on in the world of wrestling. But the fact is that Sam Roberts became a trending topic uh, on Saturday night um, because of what I said about Bianca Belair on the NXT TakeOver kickoff show. So a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it. Uh, a lot of people upset. A lot of people agree. A lot of people don't agree. A lot of accusations being thrown my way. Um, look, WWE uh, brings me to those, uh, invites me to those kickoff shows, and they ask me to give my opinion on things. Um, on Saturday night, I was not fed an opinion in my ear. I know that's one of the theories. I have never been fed an opinion in my ear. They, w they wouldn't bring me to give their opinion. I'm, I'm no good at that. I, I go on and they ask me to just be me and give my opinion. I had a, a, a crisis of conscience. I, I, in that moment, I felt like I was just going along with the show, so I decided to say exactly how I felt in that moment. Um, I know that... Uh, Mark Henry has started a campaign uh, saying that I uh, owe Bianca Belair an apology. Uh, I certainly will not be apologizing to Bianca Belair because uh, my opinion is my opinion. Do I think that she deserves to be at TakeOver after her performance? You'll have to ask me at the end of March. The next TakeOver is in April. I will tell you in April if Bianca Belair, in my opinion, deserves to be at TakeOver. But I found that match at the beginning of TakeOver. It felt underwhelming to me. So I talked about it. Um, uh, there were people after the show who had conversations with me about uh, the way I said what I said, but the fact is that I said what I said. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's exactly as you saw it, and and that's kind of it. Was everybody thrilled with it? No. You know, that's what I mean about having conversations, but, you know, those are, again— Maybe things that I don't exactly want to get into at this moment. However, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go as we move forward. Speaking of moving forward, there's only one thing that we have to do right now, and that's move forward directly into the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's state of wrestling. Yes, it is once again. Welcome to the state of wrestling here on Not Sam Wrestling. I hope you're. Someplace warm, enjoying this away from the the uh, uh, polar vortex that is scooping up a lot of the United States right now. Not Phoenix, though. Oh, my God, was it beautiful. We're going down the top five stories of the week in the world of professional wrestling uh, that we haven't covered yet here today. I mean, so much going on. As I said at the top of the podcast, WrestleMania season is coming in like a lion, and it just feels like every day there's new news, especially coming out of WWE. Let's start with it. The top five stories. We start with story number five. And this week, this is more about, I consider this story number five because I want to start the conversation here. And story number five is superstars and what they're doing with their futures. So last week, we didn't really dabble with the rumors of releases because they were really just heavily rumored. It was not anything official it didn't it didn't feel very legitimate you know people were talking about the revival people were talking about maria canellis mike canellis and you know the revival was on raw maria was at the royal rumble so i don't 
I don't know anything about those releases. But what we do know is apparently all the websites are reporting that uh, um, Kenta, Hideo Itami, is getting his release from WWE. And WWE posted a statement uh, this week after a whole bunch of uh, wrestling websites posted that Dean Ambrose was not going to be re-signing. WWE actually posted an official statement that I believe said that Dean Ambrose would uh, not be re-signing. His contract is up after WrestleMania. His contract is up in April. And he won't be re-signing. And the statement that WWE made said that he could return anytime to the WWE. So I guess we'll talk about both of those. The first one we'll talk about is Hideo Itami. So if this is true, because WWE hasn't actually released a statement as of this recording... On Hideo. But assuming this is true, Hideo Itami is a really interesting case. I think that he's probably, he's, at this point, he's a good case for a release. Hideo Itami, it's time for Hideo Itami to do something else. The Hideo Itami uh, experiment in WWE did not pan out. And it's really interesting. Sometimes uh, people come, you know, you look at it, look at it this way. I was at the NXT TV taping when Hideo Itami made his debut. It was the same TV tapings when Finn Balor made his debut. And when Hideo Itami made his debut, it said Kenta on the video screen because that's what he had wrestled as in Japan. First big Japanese signing, by the way, was Kenta, who became the, the text morphed away. It became Hideo Itami. Prince Devitt came out. Do you remember? Remember Prince Devitt? Prince Devitt came out. The text morphed away on the screen, and here's Finn Balor. Now you look at it, both people were actually wrestling at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Hideo Itami was unsu both unsuccessfully, both in title matches. Hideo Itami, of course, not able to win the Cruiserweight Championship um, for in the 205 Live four-way on the pre-show. And Finn Balor, of course, with the Brock Lesnar match. Uh, who was also unsuccessful, but I would say Finn Balor's match. Slightly higher profile. Look, uh, Hideo Itami came in with a ton of buzz. I was super excited when Hideo Itami got to NXT. I remember uh, Hideo Itami, you know, was kind of somebody that was looked at as this guy's going to be the NXT champion. This was at a time when NXT wasn't about you know, signing indie guys with a whole bunch of buzz, necessarily. This is a, a time before takeovers meant that somebody was going to be showing up in the front row, and it was whoever the hottest guy from PWG or Evolve or any of those promotions were. This was the time when Sami Zayn had come over, but, like, El Generico was a big star in Ring of Honor and across the independents. And he comes to NXT, they make him take his mask off, Change his gimmick, change his name, do not even reference the fact that he ever wrestled as that character. After that, and and so and, and that was the first, and, and it was like, whoa, right? They WWEify him. Kevin Steen comes into NXT and they change his name. They don't change his style as much. And they kind of start to acknowledge. It was it was that class where they kind of started to acknowledge people's past. And they certainly did that with Hideo Itami when he debuted. But it wasn't like, okay, Kent is here, now he's going to go straight. If, if, if he had come to NXT within the last year, 
he wouldn't have changed his name. He would have been close to the main event already. Like I think it would have been a very, very different thing. I my per I think. Uh, but either way, it didn't work. So my best memory of him in NXT was at the NXT WrestleMania show uh, before WrestleMania 31 in Silicon Valley, which I believe his match from that show is on one of the best of NXT DVDs. It was never televised. So this was before they did a, t a takeover alongside the big five pay-per-views. So the next year, WrestleMania 32, they I think they did a takeover Dallas. I think that was the first WrestleMania takeover show. But at WrestleMania 31, that was when NXT had kind of just started to do road shows, when they started to take their live events out on the road because they started to develop uh, stars. Uh, that was the show that I talked to Finn Balor about uh, recently when Finn Balor was last on the podcast. Go back a couple weeks and you can listen to that. And we talked a lot about that show. And that was the show, I believe Charlotte and Sasha main evented it. And there are people that credit that show as opening a lot of people in WWE's eyes as to what these women could do if they were in a WWE ring. You know, it would be a year later that Sasha Banks and Charlotte were both uh, photographed on the side of, of Dallas's football stadium. But this was a year before that. And one of the big moments of that show was Hideo Itami. I believe his match was against Tyler Breeze. And Hideo used the GTS for the first time. Now, the GTS was, of course, CM Punk's move, but he got that from Kenta. Kenta was using it in Japan. And that was the first time that he used that move in NXT. And it got such a reaction. And it blew people's minds. And it was amazing. But then Hideo got injured. And then he came back a while later. And when he, during the time that he was injured, that was the rise of Finn Balor and the rise of Kevin Owens and, and the, the, the changing of what NXT was. And what happened was after his injury, Hideo had lost all the buzz that he had come in to NXT with. And NXT had come to had become a place where you expected to have that buzz instead because he wasn't really able to establish a foundation in NXT before he was injured when he came back from his injury it was like he had a blank slate which isn't really fair because of the career he had before he got to NXT but regardless he came in with a blank slate wasn't really clear what was going to happen with Hideo and then he got injured again and it's like, okay. And then he pops up on 205 Live. And he might have gotten injured again. I don't know. But a lot of people at this point lost track of Hideo Itami. Look, in a business like wrestling, it's not the nicest thing in a world to say that somebody is injury prone or use that against somebody. And I don't even know if it's using it against somebody. But you have to trust pe that people are going to be able to stay healthy. And if Hideo Itami is on a run right now, where he gets injured every year or so, you know, it's going to be really difficult to build any momentum for this guy. Maybe at this moment, Hideo's best path is to not work a WWE schedule. Maybe at this moment, it's not even the schedule. Maybe he just had a string of bad luck and he's got to go and rebuild that buzz because his chain of injuries in the WWE made people forget about the buzz that he came into the company with. And... It didn't allow him to build any buzz within WWE. So what happens after his injury is he's lost everything. Nobody cares. 
And I mean, that's what happened. That's that's the story of Hideo Itami in the WWE. You know, I think it could be interesting if Kenta goes uh, to Japan and starts to rebuild what he was putting together over there and all of a sudden becomes a very, very popular star in Japan. Who's to say he won't come back to NXT in a much larger capacity? But that's what would need to happen. At this point in his WWE career, it's just not clicking. And so I think that if Hideo Itami is getting released, it's the best thing possible for him. Now, this other news, and this is the one that people are speculating on, is Dean Ambrose. So there's so many ways to read into this Dean Ambrose thing. And it's, it's, caught, it's caught everybody off guard. Because we just saw him at the Royal Rumble. We just saw him on Raw. He opened Raw. He cut an awesome promo with Triple H. He had a good match with Seth Rollins that he lost. And they were clearly starting something between him and Nia Jax. Nia Jax knocked him out of the ring. And he cut a promo for YouTube, I believe, um, talking about how he hopes that Nia Jax uh, understands that that was just an accident. He hopes for Nia Jax's state that, uh, sake that we can just agree that that was just an accident. And it, it seemed like something was building, but 24 hours after Raw, reports start going around, less than 24 hours, reports start going around that he, Dean Ambrose had informed WWE that he wasn't going to re-sign in April. And then within 24 hours from Raw, WWE puts out a statement that Dean Ambrose, John Good, is not going to be back in WWE after April. He's decided not to re-sign. Who knows? First of all, all kinds of speculation. This could be uh, uh, fake, fakety, fake, fake. This could just be a storyline. And I hope it is. Because I think the world of Dean Ambrose, when the Shield first busted onto the scene in WWE, I probably did it on the podcast. We've been doing this podcast forever. If you search back, you might be able to find it. But I know I had conversations with a great many people. And Dean Ambrose was my pick as the breakout from the Shield. When it was Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and they just showed up. This is back when, like, they were holding the camcorder and stuff and doing the selfie promos. Selfie promos way before, like, selfie promos with a camcorder. This is selfie promos before they were doing the weird, you know, cell phone things to promote matches and whatnot. Um, so I was like, yeah, Dean Ambrose is is my guy. He's just this weird combination of... A little bit of Brian Pillman mixed with a little bit of Roddy Piper mixed with a little bit of Steve Austin mixed with a lot of unique Dean Ambrose. Uh, and, and there's just something, I don't know, there's something charismatic about him. There's something interesting. There's something inherently interesting about Dean Ambrose. There's something about him that makes me want to learn about this guy. And something about the way he tells stories that keeps me interested. And he certainly had his ups and downs. There were times where I could not have cared less about him. And there were times, like, you know, unfortunately for him, I don't think his WWE title run was very good. Not Dean Ambrose's fault, but it was just there wasn't a lot of meat on that bone in terms of the story that was being told. But Dean Ambrose also had some times where there was a ton of meat on those bones. You know, most recently, I loved that they went all the way and had the balls to do a Dean Ambrose heel turn on the night that Roman Reigns goes away and announces he has leukemia. But... It wasn't executed on properly. So we never really, like, that's such an awful, evil, mean, terrible person thing to do. But after that, you know, Ambrose started being kind of uh, 
like some of his stuff was like downright silly. Like it was, we never got to see that sort of horrible person that would do something like this. Because if somebody is that horrible and that singularly focused on their career and winning, then they'll do anything to win a match. That's somebody you have to fear, I think. And I never felt that. I never felt that Seth Rollins had to fear the had to fear Dean Ambrose. So, you know, I but but I also thought that was just for the right now. You know, I didn't sit there and go like, well, Dean Ambrose is ruined because of this. I said, right now, this doesn't work for me. But, you know, he'll, he's Dean Ambrose. He's, like, talented to the moon. He'll be fine. Um, you know, if this is a storyline, if anybody's going to be able to pull it off, it's crazy Dean Ambrose, right? But I don't think it is a storyline. It doesn't feel like a storyline. It's weird. It's certainly worded differently than any other quote-unquote release. And it doesn't sound like he's being released. It just sounds like, you know, WWE decided to go public with this because I guess the internet did. Um, but it also kind of sounds like they're going to keep him off TV. To me, I read into that as to say, this is the explanation as to why you won't see Dean Ambrose anymore. But you're not going to see him anywhere because forget about a release in a 90 days. He's ours until April and we've got him on the bench until then. That's the way I read it, you know, and I read the same statement as every, anybody else. So, and I mean, you know, honestly, like if we all know Ambrose is leaving, I don't know what you do with him on TV anyway. Usually when a, when a superstar is leaving, I mean, look at the Goldberg-Brock Lesnar match from WrestleMania. New York took a big old uh, uh, crap on that match, and that's because everybody knew that Brock and Goldberg were both leaving. Nobody cared. Because there's no, you know, what are we investing in? Nobody wanted to make the investment. So I don't know how you tell a story that people want to get invested in if you don't have Dean Ambrose sticking around. Um, but I hope something happens. You know, I I know that there are people that want to see him go to AEW or want to see him go to Japan. And at the end of the day, whoever you are, you know, I want people to do the things that make them happy. I didn't begrudge CM Punk when he left to go do UFC. I didn't. I, I wouldn't begrudge Dean Ambrose for leaving. I don't begrudge Hideo for leaving. You know, none of that. Nothing like that. But for me, as a fan, WWE is what I like to watch. I want to see Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega go to WWE. I want to see Dean Ambrose stay in WWE. I want to see CM Punk come back to WWE. Like that's what. That's my favorite thing. I've always made that clear. So selfishly, I want Dean Ambrose to either announce that this is a big ruse and then it's like, that's awesome because this was real life and clearly the internet was uh, tricked. Or I want Dean Ambrose to uh, change his mind between now and April, sign a, a new contract and stick around for a while just because, you know, I like Dean Ambrose. I like WWE. But Dean Ambrose is also young enough that if he were to go and leave and do kind of what uh, Hideo Itami has to do, build a, a stronger and stronger buzz for himself and then come back to WWE and be like, look, now the whole world, I, I, I've, you brought me to a certain level, right? WWE took somebody who was at the John Moxley level and put him at the Dean Ambrose level. Now it's up to Dean Ambrose to make John Moxley or whatever his name is going to be post-WWE, if that's happening, make that even bigger than Dean Ambrose so that he can come back and go like, okay, 
let's finish what we started. Because I would like to finish what we started. Again. My hope is that the whole thing is uh, fake. And if not, that he just decides for whatever reason to stick around. He was at the Rumble. He got eliminated. Let's talk about the Rumble. So the Rumble, So one of the headlines coming out of it was it was too long. People thought that the Royal Rumble, this is story number four, the Royal Rumble. People thought it was too long. It was, you know, it was really long. I'm never one to complain about shows being too long. I guess because, I don't know, because when I go to a restaurant and they give me a giant plate of food, I don't go like, this is way too much. I go like, okay, I'm just going to eat what I want. I'll put the rest in a doggy bag for later. If I only want two hours of Royal Rumble, I'll turn it off. It starts at seven. I'll turn it off at nine. <coughs> Tomorrow, I'll have another, whatever it was, 17 hours to watch. Um, you know, so I, I, I just don't complain about having too much of something. Uh, but that said, I get wanting to sit there and watch it all in live. You know, you want to watch these shows live. And there is something where you're watching your second Royal Rumble. You've been tuned in since the kickoff show. And you're almost going like, okay, like as much stuff is happening here, it does feel like it's taking a long time. I think four hours for these dual branded shows have become that money spot. You know, I don't mind a long kickoff show. Because really it's just promoting the the thing, the, the pay-per-view. I mean, the Super Bowl kickoff show is 19 hours. So I don't mind a long kickoff show. Just don't tune into the whole kickoff show if you don't want to see all of it. Really, the pay-per-view starts when the pay-per-view is advertised to start. You don't, you know, watch the kickoff show if you want. I mean, you know, if it's a two-hour kickoff show, you know the first match isn't happening until like 40 minutes in anyway. So if you turn on the kickoff show when the kickoff show begins, you're looking for a long night of wrestling. Uh, I think four hours from the top of the pay-per-view to the end is the money spot. There was a time when that was really long, but I think that now that the WWE is in the spirit of these dual-branded pay-per-views, they have figured out a good way and a good pacing for a four-hour show that starts at 7 East Coast, ends at 11 East Coast. I think that's the money spot. I think it's when you realize you're three hours in and you've got two championship matches and a Royal Rumble still to go and you go, oh my God, we're not leaving anytime soon. That's when the, this is a long show kicks in. So, you know, I don't think it's quite as dramatic and I also don't think it's as big of a flaw. Like I'd rather have a longer show than a shorter show. But I do think that the money time is four hours. That's, that to me is the best length. Um, we can run down the matches. You know, there are some people, it starts with uh, Becky versus Asuka. Uh, I like that Asuka won the way Asuka won because it sets up Asuka for whatever she's got going on at WrestleMania or leading to WrestleMania. I think that Asuka, after the year, the year that she's had, desperately needs to maintain credibility. She lost some of it after the loss to Charlotte. She really didn't do much between WrestleMania and, honestly, TLC. Most of 2018, it wasn't until the end of 2018 that we started to feel rejuvenated in the spirit of Asuka. So I think she needs these victories. You know, I think if Becky Lynch had passed out instead of tapping, it's not the same. Like, I think it was good that Becky Lynch tapped out because 
We can all accept that Asuka beat her because Asuka's amazing. It'll set up for an eventual rematch, you know, at some point. Hey, you know, I beat you at the Royal Rumble, even if it's a year from now. You know, I beat you before. I can beat you again. Uh, And it allows Asuka to walk into WrestleMania or wherever she's going with that title going, look, I know you're all concentrating on this Ronda Rousey-Becky Lynch story, but hey, I'm the one that beat Becky Lynch. My match is a big match too. And I think that that is something Asuka really, really needs. And she got it with that tap out. Let's look at WrestleMania 31. We go back to 31. We're just talking about the NXT show in uh, in Palo Alto, I think is where it was. You know, Silicon Valley. Uh, If you look at WrestleMania 31, the memory that we have from 31 is Seth Rollins cashing in his money in the bank and winning the WWE championship taking it from Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and leaving, swinging that title around his head. What we don't worry about is the fact that earlier in the evening, he got pinned by Randy Orton. In the short term, that helped Randy Orton. In the long run, it didn't do anything to hurt Seth Rollins. So I was happy with the way the Becky Lynch match went. Um, You know, tag title match was cool. Uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks just tore the house down. I'm so happy that Sasha Banks was given this story to prove what she can do. Because really, from the promos leading up to the match to the match itself, it it over-delivered, in my opinion. I like what's going on with Ronda Rousey. I like that people are booing Ronda Rousey. I like that Ronda Rousey has to fight from the boos. It's enough with Ronda cheering and her dreams coming true. It's been a year now. Let's get some boos for Ronda Rousey. Let's have Ronda Rousey fight from that position. We haven't seen her be an underdog. We haven't seen her... We saw her prove herself, but now that she's proven herself, let's really sink our teeth in and let's watch this woman have to prove herself now to the audience, right? She proved to the audience that she belongs in WWE. Now let's have her prove to the audience that she be- she is the person that should be beating everybody on the roster. And that's what the audience is waiting for. We know that you're good in the ring. Now make me like you. Make me interested in you. And I like that they're insisting on that, you know. Um, when you looked at the at the promo on Raw, she went from having her worst promo to her best promo all in the same segment. And it became her best promo at the end. You know, people booing her and chanting Becky completely threw her off her game and left her just kind of stam- stumbling in the ring, not delivering her promo. And they just pushed Becky out there. However, she used that anger and the fact that she screwed up to come back at Becky at the end of that segment with a hell of a promo with this thing that reminded me oh yeah Ronda Rousey is an elite athlete Ronda Rousey was a household name while Becky was still training Ronda Rousey is arguably the man so she's right to come back at Becky like that and I liked seeing that and that's what I want to see out of Ronda as people are booing her um, but so, yeah, so the Sasha Banks-Ronda Rousey match was great. Um, uh, I, I think that adding Eric Rowan to the Daniel Bryan uh, story is good. It keeps Daniel Bryan fresh. It keeps things rolling. Um, you know, I, I, I think that you you do have to make sure that you don't start making Daniel Bryan into the straight-edge society, which they're not. You know, Daniel Bryan is doing a great job of playing the sort of annoying social justice warrior, uh, high moral authority figure that is relevant. I mean, it's one of the most relevant gimmicks 
in WWE right now. One of the most relevant characters in WWE. It is truly of the time, and it's really cool to see. Um, Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. I thought the match would go longer, but it is funny sitting here complaining about a show for being too long and then going, but that match was too short. Like, <laughs> let's let's pick something here. Um, but I thought Brock Lesnar got some good off. I mean, uh, uh, Finn Balor got some good offense in. Uh, and and I, I do think that Finn is better coming out of that match. I don't think he's as good as I thought he would be coming out of that match, but I do think that he's better off for doing it. Uh, we talk about the women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, I thought there was a lot good in there. I thought uh, Casey from American Ninja Warrior was one of the MVPs of the women's Royal Rumble. She's just phenomenal. Ember Moon was also an MVP. Not enough people are talking about Ember Moon, but that moment when Ember was, uh, she locked her ankles on the bottom rope and then just let her body kind of extend and then use that core strength to do that sit up off the apron back into the ring. Amazing. Amazing. I thought uh, Alicia Fox did an amazing job. She's one of the most entertaining people on that show. Uh, so much fun to watch. Uh, the the Iconics coming in and Billy Kay not wanting to enter the ring until Peyton Royce came in. Uh, Zelina Vega getting chased off by Hornswoggle. Lots of fun in this match. A ton of fun. Uh, and then the ending was really, really well done. I think that when you look at it, really, Charlotte does have an issue to have with Becky Lynch in the sense that Becky wasn't in that Royal Rumble. You know, she wasn't officially in the Royal Rumble. And since Sasha, since Charlotte came in second, technically Charlotte lasted longer than any official member of that Royal Rumble match. Um, you know, a lot of people questioning where Fit Finley got the authority to let Becky enter the ring, which is 100%, but... We don't have general managers anymore, remember? The McMahons are overseeing everything. And so if the McMahons say, hey, Fit, you got the power to do it, Fit's going to have the power uh, to do that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought it was well done. You know, you know, it, I, I kind of saw it coming once Lana came out and her, and her leg was all messed up, but I saw it coming in a good way. I thought that that's exactly what should have happened and that is what happened. Um, and we'll talk about the WrestleMania ramifications of it later. And then the men's Royal Rumble match. Uh, I was surprised that there weren't more surprises. I was surprised that there was no Kevin Owens uh, or Sami Zayn. I was surprised that, uh, you know, the Jeff Jarrett surprise was awesome. But no real other legends, no other big names. Um, I was glad that Pete Dunne, Gargano, and Aleister Black were in it for sure. And, you know, I guess the most controversial moment of that whole match was Nia Jax. I enjoyed the Nia Jax thing. I think that it's empowering that you have Nia Jax coming in and, and we're, we're led to believe that Nia Jax is the toughest woman on the roster. If she's that tough and the women's division is so great, she should be as tough as the men, you know? And, and I think that uh, Nia Jax is the right person to try some of this intergender wrestling stuff with just because she is she's the uh irresistible force i'm interested to see if they want to go all the way with this if the the thought is because she took that rko and she took that super kick from Dolph, and she took that 619 and she did it she eliminated mustafa ali you know and randy orton on smackdown this week looking at mustafa ali and saying didn't you get eliminated by a girl that them's fighting words 
I wouldn't be against seeing Nia Jax versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. I, I kind of think that it would be a it would be a ballsy choice for sure. I, I I'm interested to see how far WWE is going to go on this because for a while it looked like they would never do an intergender thing uh, again. But I'm interested to see if that is something they're uh, experimenting with and considering for WrestleMania. I for one I I'm behind it, you know, and I would have this conversation with anybody. I think it's a cool idea. Um, so yeah, so that was the Royal Rumble. I thought that it was a solid show. I right, Seth Rollins winning again, predictable, but predictable in a good way. I, I, he should have won. You know, I, I think a lot of us were saying that from the beginning. Everything was at least good, if not very good at the Royal Rumble. I think everything that I'm remembering was pretty good. It was just that it was so long Everything kind of gets mixed up, and you get tired, and you get fatigued, and and all this stuff. If they could, if they could make a show that solid into four hours, I think that people would be coming off of it with a better attitude than they are as uh, as five hours. Uh, let's talk about Daniel Bryan. So he gets past AJ Styles um, at the Royal Rumble, and then he comes on SmackDown. Eric Rowan is by his side, but Eric Rowan being by his side is not the only thing that they've added to his arsenal because. He finally has gotten rid of the WWE Championship that's backed on leather, threw it in the garbage, Alundra Blaze style, and came out with uh, the hemp and oakwood WWE Championship. And I, 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 I think that it, I, I love a sustainable material WWE Championship. I love how far they're going with this Daniel Bryan thing. Um, I, I love how he's embracing his, his character as much as he is because he's drawing from real life. You know, Daniel Bryan is a vegan. Daniel Bryan probably does believe a lot of this stuff deep down. He's probably not as judgmental as the character is, but, you know, he can relate to a lot of what's going on here. So I really, I really am enjoying this Daniel Bryan thing. And I think that the, the title is the icing on the cake. It's just awesome. Just awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, you know, go look at it. They probably posted photos of it in the Discord room, but it's got like turquoise pieces as accents, and it looks like it's got a Velcro strap, not snaps, because it is on hemp. Um, and yeah, that also leads me to believe, though, that that title's not going anywhere. I don't think that they introduce the Sustainable Materials title and have him lose it three weeks later. I think that that title stays on Daniel Bryan for a little bit of time. Which brings us into story number two, and those are the matches that we have announced for Elimination Chamber, the next pay-per-view that's in three weeks. Now, some people were wondering where Asuka was on SmackDown, uh, and she wasn't on the show. But, again, I think that that we're telling the story of Becky Lynch right now, um, and Asuka's got two full pay-per-views before WrestleMania. You know, I think that, uh, well, we'll get into WrestleMania when we get into WrestleMania. The Elimination Chamber matches that have been announced are, of course, the Women's Tag Team Championship Elimination Chamber match. If I remember correctly, Sasha Banks and Bayley are in it. Uh, The Riot Squad is in it. Uh, Tamina and Nia Jax are in it. And then I think next week we go through for SmackDown uh, for the Elimination Chamber uh, match uh, participants. But it'll be six teams and the winner will get the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, be the first ones. I think that that's perfect. You not, you kill two birds with one stone. You get to name the champions. You don't have to do it tournament style. Three birds, actually. And 
you get to have a women's elimination chamber match with a whole new spin on it, a whole new context, which I like. Um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of great choices. I think the Riot Squad would be a really good choice. I, I, I think that they should give the Riot Squad the first tag team championship so that Sasha Banks and Bayley can go to WrestleMania to try to defeat the Riot Squad to get those titles. That way Sasha Banks and Bayley can have their moment at WrestleMania. Unless they're doing what they should be doing with Sasha Banks. I mean, I guess she doesn't need to be full-on bad guy. But I do think that Sasha Banks needs to uh, embrace her attitude like she was doing with uh, Ronda Rousey. I think she needs to maintain it. So you've got the women's tag team title. And then the WWE Championship, the sustainable sources material, is on the line. It's Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Mustafa Ali, AJ Styles, Randy Orton. Those are the six guys. I'm kind of, I kind of wish they had found some room for Rey Mysterio and or Andrade in that elimination chamber, unless that's where they're going eventually for WrestleMania. Because I do think that Daniel Bryan is going to walk out of the elimination chamber with that sustainable goods championship. Think about it. All those guys, except for Mustafa Ali, have had their shots on at one time or another. Jeff Hardy hasn't really had any major WWE title shots since coming back a couple of years ago, but Samoa Joe's had a ton of title shots. AJ Styles, the last thing in the world I want right now is for him to be champion again. Um, I'm a big AJ Styles fan. He does not need to be champion again. Randy Orton, you know, we've seen him as champion a hundred times. It could happen again, but hopefully not. You got Daniel Bryan, you got Mustafa Ali, and then who am I missing? Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, I mean, I think I got them all there. Um, but yeah, so I see Daniel Bryan leaving with it just because, you know, I don't think any of the others are great options. And I want that Sustainable Goods Championship to stick around for a while. And I would have to believe that if Samoa Joe walks out with the championship, we're getting that leather out of the trash can and putting that bad boy right on our shoulder. Uh... So the question is, if Daniel Bryan, and, and it's so hard to predict because we also have Fastlane. Fastlane, I think, is in March. So we're doing Elimination Chamber and Fastlane and then WrestleMania. So a lot can change between now and then. But I still, man, I kind of like the idea of doing a Rey Mysterio-Daniel Bryan-WrestleMania match. Unless you're going to do an Andrade-Rey Mysterio with some kind of amazing stipulation at WrestleMania, I like the idea of Rey Mysterio versus Daniel Bryan. And that would be a reason to not have Rey Mysterio in the Elimination Chamber match is so that when it comes time to face Daniel Bryan, it's something fresh and something we haven't done before and something that we'll save for WrestleMania. Maybe you have Andrade versus Rey Mysterio at um, Fastlane to determine who the number one contender will be and then Rey Mysterio wins that way. And that way we have our Andrade-Rey Mysterio match. We have an acknowledgement that Andrade is... WWE Championship material, and we still get to a match between Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio. Um, you know, I, I think that I would have to believe because it's going to come up on us real quick. I think Elimination Chamber is only... Is it only... Yeah, it's only like two weeks from Sunday, I think. 31, 1, 2, 14... Yeah, it's two weeks from Sunday. So... They've only got two Raws and two SmackDowns. 
So clearly next week on Raw and SmackDown, we're really going to start to fill out the card because I would imagine, so I would think that all this stuff going on between Ronda and Charlotte, I mean Becky and Charlotte, has to do with these two pay-per-views before WrestleMania. Because we'll get to story number one, and story number one has to do both with Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber and everything that's going on right now. And story number one is the fact that we learned what the two top matches for WrestleMania will be, what the two matches that are, we're coming out of the Royal Rumble with, and that's Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar, and that's uh, uh, Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch. Now... For the life of me, I don't know why Seth Rollins would be asking Brock Lesnar to continue to F5 him. I think the best strategy you could have going into a championship match with Brock Lesnar would be to get F5'd as few times as humanly possible. But I guess he wanted to prove to Brock Lesnar that he could take it. I think that that match is set in stone. We're going to see a universal title match between Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. That's the plan. And everything that happens between Brock and Seth for the next 60 days or so, is going to be all about what is leading to WrestleMania. Clearly, Seth is going to wrestle on the two pay-per-views, I would imagine, leading to WrestleMania. Uh, Brock might wrestle at one of them, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does not. However, I think that the story will be we're leading towards Brock versus Seth Rollins. The real story here and the conversation that people are having is, is Charlotte going to get added to Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. If you ask me today, I for one hope not. I think that Charlotte is amazing and she's going to get opportunities for the rest of her WWE career. Charlotte is going to have the opportunity to probably main event realistically as many WrestleManias as she wants to. I think that when we really look at who the top people, who the WWE's trusted people are, we're going to go down a list where it's John Cena, and then it's Roman Reigns, and then it's Charlotte. I think Charlotte is the next person on that list. And good for her. But right now is Becky Lynch's moment, and it's an organic moment, and it's a for real moment, and it's a moment that we shouldn't ignore. We should capitalize on that moment and allow the moment to happen. Allow Becky Lynch to have the moment. And in order to do that, it means giving her the Ronda Rousey match one-on-one. It was magic on Raw looking at those two head-to-head. This is the match that everybody wanted to see at Survivor Series more than any other match. And it's made it so the anticipation for it at WrestleMania is even higher. It was a repeat of the Daniel Bryan Royal Rumble in Phoenix. By the time they got to number 28, the whole stadium was chanting, we want Becky. We want Becky. Because all they wanted was for Becky Lynch to win that match and go on to face Ronda Rousey. And really, that's why nobody was upset that Asuka beat Becky Lynch for the championship. If Becky Lynch had won the SmackDown Women's Championship, some of us fans would have been upset, confused, wondering how this is going to pan out. Because we don't want Becky Lynch to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. We want Becky Lynch to have the main event of WrestleMania against Ronda Rousey. And right now, in January, the end of January, 2019, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey is your WrestleMania main event. Would I be shocked if it ended up being a triple threat with Charlotte involved? I would not be shocked. I would think it was a mistake. I think your match that you want 
is Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. It's a match that, you, I mean, you, you can hear the reaction for it. It's something that people have been waiting for this whole time. I don't get nervous when I see Becky and Charlotte kind of uh, having their story being told on SmackDown because I don't have a problem if we lead to WrestleMania. Like I said, we've got two pay-per-views, I think. Elimination Chamber and theoretically Fastlane. So, you know, I think that you do have to do something with Becky Lynch and with Ronda Rousey leading to WrestleMania. They are on separate shows, unlike Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. So if we have, you know, what I what I would really do is I would have Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. If Charlotte wins, it's a triple threat at WrestleMania. And then everybody goes, oh, great. And then Becky wins. Becky wins. And now Charlotte goes to WrestleMania. And she's fighting Asuka. And Asuka can say, Becky beat you. But she didn't beat me. Charlotte says, I beat you, Asuka. And she goes, you beat Asuka from a year ago. Asuka from right now, she beat Becky Lynch. Made her tap out. The same Becky Lynch that beat you. You are not ready for Asuka. That's what I want for WrestleMania, and that's what I want uh, to lead into uh, as we're getting there going forward. Hey, those are my top five stories. Thank you for being a part of the State of Wrestling this week. Don't forget to become a Not Sam Shill. Get all kinds of bonus content. Join the community. Sign up on Patreon. It's only four bucks a month to start. Chump change. That's less than a dollar a week. Seriously. Do the math. Patreon.com. It's 48 bucks a year. 52 weeks in a year. Less than a dollar a week. A lot less than a dollar a week. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Become a Not Sam Shill. And we will see you next week. Right here on the State of Wrestling. Inside Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.